0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. So, it's the bank holiday weekend. And apparently, according to what Charles has just told you, people are going to be getting away this afternoon to go where? Where do you go for a bank holiday weekend when it's freezing cold? Iceland, I suppose, or somewhere like that, just to sort of, you know, familiarise yourself with how cold it can get. It's a very odd place to go to, isn't it? Iceland very expensive actually. You could have loads of money to go to Iceland. It's, it's really quite I think it's quite pricey. A friend of mine, John, went over there and he said they've got horrible food. He didn't like any of the food at all. That you're not know, not good food. Oh, good food. But the people are quite attractive, aren't they? Are the are they, are they sort of the men sort of all Nordic and sort of long flowing blonde right. <laughs> Don't go. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, coming up on the on the programme this morning, uh, the stories that make the news, the stories that get you going, oh, not them again, and the stories that get you going, well, that's a good one, Steve, I quite like that idea, including a man who's had a bit of trouble on a BA flight, apparently it turns out he was abusive, they all sort of try and turn things round, but we tell you the truth. Well, as much as we can do. Uh, Also, the the angelic schoolgirl who fled to join ISIS with her then sort of husband and apparently didn't like it. Want to come back? Well, we don't want you, dear. We really don't want you, thank you very much indeed. And her father said roughly the same thing. You've got to face justice. No good screaming like a little schoolgirl. He said, well, I want to go and join ISIS. I want to fight for whatever it is loony ideas you think you've got in your head. And then they go, oh, it doesn't work out. I think I'll come home again. I don't think it works like that, darling. I'm sorry. Sorry to break it to you. But there again, if you're stupid enough to want to go and join ISIS in the first place, I think you kind of uh, pay the consequences. Kids booking the trend. That's a good I quite like that idea that kids are reading more than they used to. Uh, because it's very difficult to get kids to read books, they've got to, you know, they've got to kind of get into it. And I think it's younger kids that do it, and they do it, and they do it very well. By the time they get to 14, 15, I think it's all on the iPad and on the phones and stuff like that. So I don't think they actually read as uh, as much. Then there was the uh, the bloke uh, who was uh, caught with a bag full of weapons, a terror suspect, a rather stupid looking person, you know, and uh, and luckily they were on it. They think, they think the family shopped him. Because, obviously, sort of realizing that he's not the full ticket. But, anyway, he's been uh, held on suspicion of terrorism. And so all the papers are full of pictures of, uh, of that this morning. But, as I say, that's his little moment of fame. The rest of it will probably be spent elsewhere, I should imagine. So we took all your texts and emails. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, also, one of the new dragons. He's out before he's even started. Something to do with football, I believe. And Diane Louise Jordan, speaking of relief, she had a harassment case against her for three years. I did sort of wonder where she disappeared to. But uh, anyway, it's all been dropped and everything else, and she's now speaking about this three years of absolute horror. Also, some bloke, obviously not the full ticket, he's a skip driver, and he goes out and he piles up. Now, I thought, if if you're a skip driver, you've got one skip on the lorry and one suspended. He had ten. Ten stacked up, I mean, really. And so you can see the accident coming, can't you? You could see what the accident's going to be. He's got ten metal skips piled up on top of this uh, thing. I mean, a danger in itself. And what does it do? It hits the overhead uh, live cable and he dies. It's, you know, but you kind of saw the accident about to happen. You know, if somebody really, if somebody really is going to put ten skips, one inside the other, inside the other, inside, up to the height of ten... I've never seen anything like it. I'm surprised the thing actually was able to move. Uh, Inside Celine Dion's Florida mansion, which actually makes poor old Cheryl's uh, little house look a bit naff, I'm afraid. And there's a picture of Cheryl's house, which she's after five million quid for, which I told you yesterday. It's still on the market. They obviously... They have loads of people looking at it because, you know, Cheryl lived there briefly. And she bought it for five million. She's having to sell for five million. She obviously didn't buy very wisely at all. Uh, And I suppose because it's got the provenance of uh, Cheryl uh, Spag-what's-it. It it, it might sell, but to be honest with you, five million quid. However, you look at uh, this lovely place that Celine Dion has got in Florida. This has got a swimming pool the size of a lake. I mean, seriously, it's beautiful. 30 million quid... Which actually, you know, you wouldn't get much in London for thirty million if you're in that end of the market, and don't don't sort of write in and go. Or oh, you can get loads for you know under that price. But I'm talking about you know at the top end. I'm not talking about some sinker estate somewhere where you can get three houses for like twenty five grand. This is this is twenty five million in Mayfair gets you an average place because it's a very expensive area, one of the most expensive areas like Eaton Square. But over in Florida, you get this beautiful place overlooking the ocean. I mean, it's just sensational. And I thought, if I had the money, I would probably buy it and move there. I would probably buy it and move there. It's as simple as that, actually. Very nice. Also, fashion. Has it lost the plot? Probably. Probably. Uh, The travellers who move on to somebody else's land, and when they move off, they leave 40 tonnes of rubbish. The people who live in this lovely place, which is down in Essex, are understandably really, really fed up. Really fed up. Because this is the problem with with travellers. What they do is, they move on to a site... They fill it with rubbish and they don't do it on their own sites, on their living sites, but they do it on the sites where they pull into a field. In this particular case, they broke open um, a gate and uh, and then moved all their wagons on there, left 40 tonnes of rubbish. Now, what I'd be doing, because frankly, I'm sick to death of the ones who litter, because I think they should be made to pay for it. I think you're made to pay. I think it's a case of, right, we're impounding All of your wagons and everything, and you're not going anywhere until you've paid, because they can quite clearly afford it. They must be. They're, you know, dumping rubbish all over the place. Somebody's paying them to jump, dump rubbish. Can't imagine why you wouldn't see through it. I did happen to wander into my big fat gypsy wedding the other day, fat being the operative word, and there was some heffalump who'd wandered in, and uh, she'd never seen the dress before. And uh, and it was another one of these blamanges where they, they stick sort of overweight girls into the middle of them and they sort of pop up a bit like a funfair ride. And uh, she had to keep the wedding quiet because three venues had already cancelled their booking. Three venues had cancelled the booking. And they said the moment they actually discovered, because I've seen this on another one. You know, they, they've they sort of had these venues booked. Then the venue has discovered its travellers and they cancel the booking. In this particular case, she said the last one said that they were decorating the hotel. No, they didn't want travellers there because they drive their wagons over the thing. Not in all the cases, but in many of the cases. I told you, we went to look at a lovely house down in Essex. A barn. Conversion. Beautiful. Over the road, the reason it hadn't sold, traveller site. And the farm behind had been robbed on numerous occasions from the people over the road. The house had been, you know, they'd taken things from... And you think to yourself, why are those people intent on ruining it for everybody else? Why are they like that? I know travellers. I know travellers. A friend of mine is, a, is from a travelling family. But, uh, you know, it's the one... 40 tonnes of rubbish. I would be picking it up in an aeroplane, finding out where they've gone to, and dropping it from a great height. You know, it's, it's, it's getting worse. 40 tonnes of rubbish. We had about 30 tonnes of rubbish down at Sunbury. You know, it's the ones who give them a bad name that tarnish everybody else. You know, it's a shame, isn't it, really? But uh, that's the way the world ticks along. Small minority, but growing, apparently. Do you know they never know, on the weddings, how many are going? Because it seems to be like an open invitation. Anybody, just anybody, turns up. Because the families are all interconnected. And so you might have 300 people turning up. The blokes don't bother dressing for it. It's vest and pants. And the girls dress up and do, what do they call it? Twerking. Have you seen little girls doing that? That's most peculiar. Have you seen twerking, where you sort of do a Beyoncé cut? It looks very odd when you get little... little, And Miley Cyrus, it's most peculiar. Little girls doing it for about seven and eight, in little, with little spray tans and everything else. It does not look normal, let me tell you. So, all of your texts and emails on the programme this morning, plus uh, some woman who could be the new Strictly judge. This is to replace Len Goodman. They haven't actually got got round to, to doing it yet. They don't really know who's going to be the judge. There are a few people up for it. This is one called Shirley Ballas. I've never heard of her either. Never heard of her. Apparently, she's a former judge on the American version of Dancing with the Stars. She was a complete natural during auditions, a source said. This is a load of old cobblers, isn't it, really? They just sort of put somebody... Who's ever heard of her? She's British as well. I've never heard of her. Who are the other names in the frames? Brian Redmond. Who was uh, the nasty judge on Ireland's Dancing with the Stars? Lorraine Barry, uh, international titles to a name. Uh, Jason Gilkison, he's an Aussie, he's a dark horse in the jobs race, popular behind the scenes at Strictly. No good being popular behind the scenes, dear. You? you want to be popular in front of the scenes. Brendan Cole, the New Zealander, who's been on uh, every Strictly series, uh, Latin American uh, specialist. Karen Hardy, Oh, no, we don't want Karen Hardy. No, no, we don't. Strictly, she's an expert on spin-off, it takes two. And uh, Tony Beek, the creepy one. The cre- we, we don't want him either. We definitely don't want him. Yeah, no, no, we don't want him to have it at all, no. Not old Tony. Because he's sort of tried everything, hasn't he? I'll be like, look-alike, look-alike for, uh, for Lucy, and all that kind of stuff. At one time, they actually stuck them both on the same television programme. One had talent, the other was just irritating. And uh, you can work out for yourself which one that is. But uh, out of all of those, I don't know, actually. I think Brendan Cole, he's kind of turned himself around a little bit. He used to be the bad boy. He's done a bit of sort of, you know, boxing, been there, done it, bought the T-shirts. I've never heard of the other ones. I'm not interested in someone who's the nasty judge on Islands Dancing with the Stars. I really couldn't care less about him. But I think Brendan Cole, he'd be a good choice, wouldn't he? I think so. I think so. That'd be quite nice. Uh, also, what else we got here? I'm trying to find something. There was Oh, they've got um, lorries and cars jammed in together because of sat-navs that send people, juggernauts, down little country roads. This is one here. This is uh, a little village uh, in Dorset called Melbury Abbas. It's on the A350. But uh, somebody says here we've actually had enough because the highway bosses have diverted the lorries in an experiment. So far, they're actually getting HGVs stuck up to 18 times a week. You'd be really, really fed up by that time, wouldn't you? So I've got a picture of a juggernaut trying to get down a little tiny narrow lane with another juggernaut coming in the opposite direction. This is yet more council buffoonery, ladies and gentlemen, the highway bosses. And also in every paper now, the boxing... Legend, who's apparently um, Joshua's journey from Rocky Road to Path of Greatness. It's another load of old codswallop, unless you support boxing, of which I've got no interest at all. What's the point of sitting there, you know, knowing that somebody's going to beat five bells out of you? This one's got history. Uh, he used to get chased by the police for fighting. Now I get paid. I've never even heard of him. I've never even heard of him. He's a, just a complete nobody. When was this interview done? 2015. Oh, Matthew Stadland did it. Oh, dear. Watching two very large men hitting each other in the head as hard as they can isn't everybody's idea of fun. And that's where the interview should have finished. Seriously, I mean, it goes on further. He's 25 year old, six foot seven, giant from Watford. I was beating people up and people were praising me before it. When I was beating people up on the streets, I was getting chased by the police. He says it's just regulated now, it's a different kind of perspective. How boring. I've never even heard of him. Never even heard of him before. And so he's just another boxer. We know they all end up with either head injuries or mental injuries or all sorts of problems. All sorts of problems. And so one of these things is saying, could he be sports next billionaire? No, of course he isn't. There aren't any billionaires in sport. What Frank Bruno's got? Nothing. Nothing, poor soul. He's got nothing. I mean, who is our top boxer? Oh, God. Who is our top... Is he our top boxer? The boxer nobody's ever heard of. He's our top boxer. Good grief, honestly. Well... A very good punch, though he's he's giving somebody there. What is it about blokes who can't actually do it who think they can do it? You know, it's okay. Yeah, going to see boxing, and you know, and I just don't I don't quite get it at all. But there again, I was never a, a violent person. I could actually talk somebody into submission. It was much easier that way. So let's talk about me. Oh God, no, Steve, don't, don't, don't. That's how it happens. Uh, what do we got? Should we try and do an accurate time check on this programme? That's what I try and do every day, but every day I fail miserably, I'm afraid. And being Friday and being the bank holiday, and apparently this afternoon you're all going to be heading away. To where? I've got no Where do you think you're going? Where do you seriously think you're going to be going this afternoon? There's nowhere to go. Stay where you are. Unless you've got the LBC app, in which case you can go as far away as you like and you can still listen to LBC and still catch this morning... Uh, Two clips from my special guests this weekend for In Conversation. Dennis Quaid and Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, who we did yesterday on the programme. You're not going to be disappointed if you're Floydie fans uh, or if you're a fan of doggies, because we're talking doggies with Dennis Quaid because his new film is about doggies. And if you are a dog lover, you're going to love it. Seriously, you're going to love it. That's all I can tell you. You're going to love it. You've seen the adverts on the television. Go see the film. Go see the film.
0: You're listening to a
1: podcast from LBC. I think the uh, Daily Star will probably sum it up for you this morning with this uh, uh, terror suspect armed with seven knives stopped in his tracks by police. And uh, he's smirking at the camera, so they've called it smirk of a jerk, which kind of sums up what everybody else is probably thinking. He's a 27-year-old, but uh, pinned against a wall. And no end of police officers appeared. I've never seen so many police appear so quickly. But uh, as I say, you don't know what's going to be going on. Uh, somebody goes out with a load of night. Perhaps he's not well in the head. Perhaps he's sort of receiving medication or something. I don't know. We'll have to find out and wait on that one. We just don't know. You never know with these people, but luckily the police, you know, reacted really quickly. We think it was a family member, a family member that phoned the police to say he's heading off for this area, so they're looking for him. So, uh, obviously, somebody's got him on their sights, which is good. And I think two other people were questioned the other day. There's a woman and somebody else. Again, separate, nothing to do with this. Look at a picture of this... Uh, this uh, trucker, uh, this is Richard Giles, who died from a heart attack when uh, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten skips stacked inside one another. I mean, he's not the most intelligent person, is he? And then one skip actually on the lorry, and of course, he hits the overhead wire, and it electrocutes him. Um, his his widow says, uh, please even ask me if he was trying to commit suicide. He's been on one of these programmes on the tow. He's done these... Tr- uh, pulling a truck thing, you know, where they put you in a thing and a brace and then uh, you've got to pull the truck along. The world's strongest man kind of thing. The easy ones to do the ones on the water because it just bobs along on the water anyway. The, the trucks are... I've seen aircraft being done as well. But, you know, to load ten skips up, one on top of the other, has got to be the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, what, what do the, uh, the companies say? Fleet skips boss Richard May says the drivers were told to stack in a maximum of four skips on the lorry. He told the coroner's court he didn't know why Richard piled up ten. But um, rules say drivers should not work within three metres of power lines. Richard's killer load in November put him within 2.7 metres. And so it hit it, and you guess get electrocuted. And it's as simple as that, you know. But, I mean, to see this, how you even driving this thing, I've got no idea. Surprised he wasn't pulled over by by the police. That's why the police probably said, was he trying to commit suicide? Was there a reason for it? Uh, also, uh, Union J's boy band member, uh, Swap, hasn't worked out as planned. Casey Johnson, formerly of Stereo Kicks, has been axed after just 12 months. Uh, what do we know about... I don't know what I know about Union J. Don't I know about... It wasn't George in Union J. George... And I'm sure they, they played over here. That's right, George uh, quit in March of last year. And then they put... them. I wasn't even aware that they, they were working. I, d- I really don't know. I can't keep up with boy bands nowadays. Seriously, I mean, one minute they're all sort of you know, out there and they're sort of beginning it at large and doing shows and this kind of thing. And then the next minute uh, they go, oh, they're not actually working at the moment. And you go, what are they doing? And they go, well, I don't, don't really know what they're doing, but uh, they're not doing anything. It's like when you hear the conversation with Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, he does talk about because, you know, the group had 20 years of getting on with each other. Then you know that there was huge infighting and it occurred on they had dark side of the moon. Then they had the wall then they had The Wall too, and that's when it all went a bit pear-shaped. And so now two members of the band don't talk to each other at all. And I did say to Nick, you know, uh, do you think there'll be any chance of a, of a reunion, of Pink Floyd getting back together again? He said, well, you'd need to ask the two guitarists. <coughs> He's up for it. Yeah, D- D- Dave Gilmore turned out to be the problem. He declined to be interviewed for this television documentary. And, uh, and of course, one died. We had one who died in the group, which was... Uh, well, two that we've had die in the group. Yes, yes, Sid, Sid died ages and ages ago. but uh, And then Richard Wright as well. But um, the nice thing is, I think you'll find when you hear this interview, that you get the impression that Nick's the calming influence. He wants it to happen because he's he's kept the, the group alive. And coming up very shortly at the V&A Museum is this... Uh, exhibition which they've got and they do them brilliantly down there, they really do, they do them brilliantly they've got loads of stuff and they've done it in order so it's not just stuff thrown into cases it follows through and they were very innovative, very very innovative in fact we we found a piece the other day Mark, my producer on In Conversation found a piece where they're they're, they're starting the concert and there's this stuff flashing up in the middle and then an aeroplane comes right through the crowd and then bursts into flames it's all very clever stuff all very 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 clever stuff But uh, we have a good chat with him. But he loves his motor racing. In fact, he loves his motor racing so much. He's got about 40 cars. And he's... um, uh, One of them is worth between 15 and 20 Imagine, million. I'd be frightened to take a car out like that. He did have an accident in one of them. Which he talked about. And he smiled as he did it. (laughs) Uh, So off the other day for... for, um, For a what? For the opening of a hotel and private members club. And so they invited... Uh, All sorts of people, like uh, Gareth Malone, Tiny Temper, Paloma Faith, Gary Barlow, Nick Grumshine, Nick Grumshine or something like that. He apparently went. What I've got no idea why. And uh, also Claudia Winkleman went. And then and then you really scrape the barrel and you've got Sarah Ferguson, Beatrice and Eugenie. They all turn up there. I suppose because it was a free food thing. And uh, Fer- get that, get that, get, get the sausage rolls, get the sausage rolls. Yes, Sarah Ferguson, hello. On a diet permanently. And these are my two useless daughters. These are the ones who don't work anything. I think one of them, I think Eugenie, or is it Beatrice, on their third event out this week... You know, you must really get jobs, girls. I don't want to sound a push you in that direction, but, you know, you do have the image within the public's perception of being bone idle. Okay. Just thought, you know, it kind of runs in the family, we realise. Nobody knows what your father does anyway. And as for Sarah Ferguson, you know, the sooner she heads back to America, the happier the British public will be. They just don't like her. The royal family don't seem to like her either. And, uh, you know, Beatrice and Eugenie, they can't do anything with them, so they just pop off to freebie launches. You see Harry or William doing that. We're going off to the launch of a £200 million hotel. I don't think so. I don't think so. But, of course, Beatrice and Eugenie will be hanging around down there. Do you think they stand in the corner with their mother going, who should, who should we talk to? Nobody's talking to us. They always remind me of a scene from Ab Fab, which I could sort of laugh at. I'd be, um... No, I would not do them for in-conversation. Why do people always think I'm going to do these people I don't like for in-conversation? But somebody said to me, you know, would you like to do Jordan? Don't be so stupid. Of course I wouldn't. The woman who used the N-word twice on television, I... There is one coming up, exactly, who's who's been on my uh, my radar for a little while. I'm hoping it's... Because I've got my hospital date in, which I think is uh, not next week. I think it must be the week after. So... And this is... I'm doing this... It's called a stress test, but it's got a... It's got a... Wait a minute. It's got a more complicated name. Hold on. Bear with me. Bear with me. Yes, I thought... It, they, they, the, uh, the consultant called it the stress test, but in fact, it is the... Um, Wait a minute. Uh, The uh, dobutamine stress echocardiogram. And this is where you... uh, You don't do the walking on the treadmill. Uh, This is um, an ultra scan of the heart, used to assess the response of the heart to a drug called dobutamine, which mimics the effects of physical exercise. That'll be exciting, won't it? And so you've got to take your shirt off for it. Well, there's a chance of losing two stone in a week, I think, is highly unlikely. And uh, so you lie on your left side on a couch while the drug is injected slowly and... I'm dreading it. Honestly, already it sounds vile, doesn't it? Slowly and continuously through the vein, the dose will be increased in stages to mimic increasing exercise and stimulate the heart to beat faster and more strongly. They probably just give up, I should imagine. (laughs) But then it says, occasionally a second drug is needed near the end of the test to achieve the best results. God, that makes it sound worse, doesn't it? In other words, how far can we push the heart? So blood pressure and heart tracing, ECG will be monitored during the test, and an ultrasound heart scan performed at each stage. The scan is painless, but they always are, aren't they? And performed by placing some gel on the chest and moving a small handheld probe over the skin. Oh, God. It's sometimes necessary to give additional injections of a contrast solution to obtain good ultrasound scan pictures. Oh, my God. And I've got to knock various drugs out of my uh, out of my prescription. But uh, it's going to take about an hour, actually. And after the test, you sit and rest for 15 to 30 minutes while the effects of the drugs wear off. Then you go home. And then they get... Well, of course, if you can go home. <laughs> Hoping to as well. But I've got to stop any beta-blocker medication. So it's uh, Bisa Pro-lol-ol thing that I should be doing. All very exciting, isn't it? Not really. But uh, that'll be on... When's that? I, don't, I can't remember when I'm doing the blooming thing now. That's on the uh, the 10th. What day of the week is the 10th of... Uh, is it Wednesday? There you go, Wednesday. So I'd better tell you all about it on the Thursday. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> that'll be the idea, won't it, really? Uh, what do we go... Oh, yes, I'll tell you what, uh, what came up the other day. It was a case of... Um, of somebody, a police officer, who'd been accused of being racist because he'd put a little monkey on somebody's desk in the office, on the desk of a black police officer, and she thought it was racist. They'd used this little monkey um, to, to decide who would be making the tea and coffee for that day. And so they've used this monkey for ages. It's just, it's a key ring. I personally don't have a monkey key ring, but, I mean, they, they did here. And uh, he's a counter-terrorism officer, and he put it on a black colleague's desk, and uh, she then went and complained. You know, racist, racist, racist. And, uh, and they went, no, he's always used this. So, you know, he, he was told he should have realised the animal could be perceived as offensive. I've never actually heard of monkeys being perceived as, as offensive, but there you go. But uh, he's now receiving manage- management advice. But apparently this uh, black police officer was left shocked and offended. Well, she must have seen it before because they've used it for ages. They put it on somebody's desk. You make the tea and coffee for that day. It could have been, I don't know, a sort of a coin with a hole in it. Could have been anything, really. But uh, the defence team says he was a professional and measured man. And uh, um, uh, she said that his behaviour had racist undertones. So they've said no. No, it didn't. I think people start waving this around a bit too much nowadays. And so he was not being racist when he put the little monkey toy on a colleague's desk. I mean, whether she was black, white, pink, green, blue spots, I don't really care. It doesn't make any difference. And um, apparently that's nothing. Darren, in the last hour, was talking about students who now think not making eye contact with somebody could be a sign you're racist. This is on top of the jazz hands instead of clapping. Students get more stupid by the day, don't they? They really do. So because it's offensive clapping to deaf people, we now do. Get it? Jazz hands. Yeah, they must hate magical hour and furniture hour and stuff like that, which are all been coming up. Because clapping might upset deaf people. They're so stupid, aren't they, students? I mean, I don't want to be rude about them, but by God, they're bloody thick, aren't they? Are they drinking too much or something? Can anybody find me deaf people who are offended by clapping? Tempted to do the gag, but I won't. But, uh, you know, I mean, can anybody ever prove that deaf people think clapping is offensive? It's like, is that the same as, you know, do you think deaf people also think honking your horn in the car would be offensive? Of course not. And doing jazz hands, how stupid are these people? Dear Lord above. We'll be having separate toilets. Separate toilets for the for um, for the for the, for the gay boys, please. We don't want them sort of peering over, looking at straight boys. Just say, oh, that's right, same toilets for everybody, isn't it? I'm so glad I'm not a student. I've seen students on the train. They look stoned out of their minds, don't they? Ooh, smoked some dodgy weed last night. Oh, God. What have we got today? Physics. And then we're doing media studies. We're doing clapping. OK, great. How, how does that work? It's ridiculous, isn't it? But yeah. They, yes, they wouldn't like North Korea. They wouldn't. North Korea. They wouldn't go. But mind you, I don't. We've now discovered. Oh, I will tell you what, I've discovered in a moment about North Korea.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: The great, I've got to tell you about this about North Korea. They've got a picture in one of the papers today. You know, you've seen all the uh, the fake bombs and things like that, which are made of cardboard. And uh, Kim Jong, little fat man, sits and. But now he'll be doing jazz hands, which will be great. Can't wait to see the North Koreans doing jazz hands. Woo! Clap hands, here comes jazz hands. Little fat man will have to wander out there. We'll have to get him some films, won't we? Perhaps we could send him some Hollywood films. What if I ordered something on Amazon and then put down Kim Jong-un, care of North Korea somewhere, uh, probably eating or so? Do you think they have Kentucky Fried Chicken in North Korea? They don't, do they? They don't have anything like that. They don't have... They're commun- don't, don't, don't communists eat food? They don't do West. Oh, right. I bet if, they, if, I bet if they actually, if he discovered Kentucky Fried Chicken, he'd be even fatter than he is at the moment. I've noticed even all the pictures, they've had to sort of airbrush him. Anyway, uh, having seen the fake rockets going by, with well, the same one that just goes round and round and round, it's like a bit of a roundabout kind of thing, it now turns out that the soldiers are marching with fake guns as well. These poor set, they say, Would you like to hold that? What is it? It's a gun. No, it's not. It is. It's a gun. It's a fake gun. It's, it's a holder. For, uh, for bullets it 's not the actual gun, so they 've got them marching with that. It looks ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Jackie in Feltham says, "I love the way you pronounce eugenie yeah I 've always imagined she 's come from only fools and horses. you know, I always quite like that idea. And Brian in Belfast, you want drugs or something? Are you want some sort of medication, or you know is there something gone wrong with your life? He says, "Have you ever met or interviewed the late great broadcaster Bob Holness, never met him in my life don 't even know who he is. What does he do? What did he do? Is he somebody interesting? Brian? Oh, no. Brian Holness. Never heard of him. No, doesn't mean a thing to me. Uh, Noreen Patsy and Co. Very jolly lunch party today. Says Carol in Majorca. And um, and uh, one here. This is Graham. Sitting by the pool on Holes in Florida. 25 degrees. Uh, here at 23.15. Prime time with my daughter Alison. Who marries Chris on September the 23rd. I wish people... Had, you're not sitting at that Celine Dion place, though, are you? That's gorgeous. I mean, that really is. For twenty, for £30 million, 30 million pounds, the place is gorgeous. Imagine taking people... Imagine going into a bar, picking somebody up and going, would you like to come back for something to eat? And you take them back and the gates swing open and there is this palatial place with the biggest pool i've never seen a pool the size of it beautiful mind you round in florida you've got to be careful to keep out the is it the crocodiles and alligators and stuff like that because it's swamp it's all reclaimed swamp but it's good actually uh tony says i wouldn't call it a stress test because physically i can do i can do well mentally i don't think so uh i've had the cardiogram steve it's not painful just a bit odd as your heart beats very fast as if you're running (laughs) do i sound like i do running Does it sound like I do running? Somebody the other day said, um, you know, what was the last football match you went to? (laughs) When was the first football match I ever went to? I don't think you might feel dizzy as your heart rate increases. They check every part of your heart. You'll be fine. It's not painful. No, I'm I'm not worried about the I inject every day. So I'm not worried about that kind of thing. I'm just worried that it might go uh, too much. You know, and all of a sudden, my little heart might sort of not be able to cope with the stress of it. It's just to check and see if I've got to have more stents put in. And I know it's going to hurt. I know I'm going to feel the pain as the, uh, as the blood pumps through and I'm going to be going, Ow, but hopefully they will know that and then ease off, which is good. Uh, right, what have we got? We've got 20... I don't know why I'm telling you this. I do this every day. I've started giving you a time check at 22 minutes to five. Why would I give a time check at 22 minutes to five? Is that significant... I was laying in bed this morning, and the, and I, I woke up a little bit early, and then I went back to bed again, and then when I woke up again. I looked, and it was only an hour to go until the alarm went off, and I thought, oh, I'll stay in bed. It was warm and cosy, and I didn't want to move anywhere, so uh, so I didn't. And then all of a sudden, it seems like seconds, doesn't it? From the moment you fall back asleep, and then all of a sudden the alarm goes off, and I go, oh, got to get up now. It doesn't matter actually, because it was it was quite nice. Uh, what else we got here? What else we got? What else we got? Uh, we've got oh, a picture of Pippa Middleton going out with a a photographer to take a picture of her. Uh, She goes to the gym. You'd think she'd have had a gym at home, wouldn't she? She's got a very expensive house, so why not a gym at home? Because you don't get the the actual photograph in the newspapers, do you? Because somebody would be invading your place. Uh, Also, um, Kate Humble is to front a new question of sports-style quiz show about wildlife. And, um, oh dear, it's going to be co-hosted by Chris Packham. Chris Packham. I'm sorry about say It's the same people. We're doing wildlife. Let's bring out Chris Packham again. Oh, God, do we have to? Uh, and Lucy Cook, who will captain the teams. I've got no idea who she is. But uh, the nature programmes hosted by Kate, along with uh, TV presenters, uh, Anita Rani, Matt Baker and Helen Skelton. Oh, God. I, don't, I mean, honestly, ex-Blue Peter presenters, two of them, and Anita Rani. Who's popped up everywhere. I think she's been on Loose Women or things. I don't know. I can't remember. Very dull, very dreary. Keith Lemon's come up with uh, Holly Willoughby and Fern Cotton into inserting bananas into their mouth. I mean, it's a shame, really, that Holly Willoughby, who's got quite a bit of class, is resorted to doing cheap, trashy things like this, which just appeals to the lowest common denominator. I'm sorry. So they have a banana and they've each got it in their mouth and they sort of move. I mean, you know, it's just trash, Holly. It's just trash. It's a great shame, really, because I think you've cheapened yourself. We know that Fern was always like that anyway. But, you know, if that's the best that your husband can get you to do on television, I feel really sorry for you. Seriously, I really feel sorry because I don't I don't like to think of you having to do things like that. If that's what you think your fans want to see you doing, why don't you just sort of, you know, show show the next, you know, sort of you naked in the bath or something? Because you might as well. You've gone down that road. Ridiculous eight four eight five zero LBC dot co dot uk. There was something else I was going to tell you. What was I going to tell you? Something- oh yes, you yesterday. Little Claire from Steps. You remember her, don't you? Nobody does. She's she 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 tweeted about me. She tweeted about me on her on her little Twitter thing yesterday. Uh, see if, see if we can find it because it was pointed out to me by uh, one of our producers here, Dee, and who's uh, Sarah... uh, Sorry, who's um, Sheila Fogarty's producer. And she says, oh, Claire from Steps had tweeted you. She says, on... This is Claire Claire Richards. And on my way to the right stuff, and we have LBC on in the car, which seems to be just a man on the radio moaning for the last 45 minutes. Oh, Claire. Oh, what a shame, dear. And uh, it's a shame. Yeah, I... Actually, she posted this at 6.48. Well... I don't think so. I was, In fact, I think you've got your time wrong because I was reviewing the front pages of the papers, something which, of course, uh, you could never do. And, um, and she's got all sorts of things. I can't remember which one Claire is. Is she the one who's lost weight, put on weight, lost weight, put on weight? And uh, she's wife, mummy, TV presenter. They always put that down, don't they? And she's also known as Claire from Steps. Imagine, her name's Claire, and she's known as Claire from Steps. Woo! You clever old baggage, you. But um, th- this is the one... Uh, she's only joined Twitter in 2009, but at least she mentioned me. And she says, in the week Bananarama returned to us, uh, she says, this is me and my girl's homage to Pop's greatness. I don't know what you're doing there for. No, no the thing I was talking about yesterday, Claire, I have to put, it, put you right, I don't want to sort of think you just spend my life moaning, uh, is why nobody ever asks Steps why they mime. You know, I'm just curious about that, you know, uh, c- you know, can we just sort of take away the miming, give you microphones and go, they're all live, ready? Now you're going to be singing. Can't wait to hear it. It would be car crash, wouldn't it? Car crash television. It's very sweet, love. It's very sweet. Nice to know that you were going on to television. Uh, nice to know you've changed your hair colour again. Because I imagine you must be deeply unhappy that you're number one in the charts. I know everybody else was around here. We're all going steps. Oh, dear, naff. Very naff. And then poor Lee Latchford Evans. I don't think he's ever sung on any of them, has he? He used to moan before. He was just the one who stood at the back and la-la, a little bit like Colleen Nolan. But, uh, yeah, it is a programme where we do talk about things quite a lot. Uh, not really for you, love. Not really for you. But I found it quite odd, actually, that poor old Claire was going off to the right stuff, presumably to do the paper review, which is where you talk about various topics. And also, I mean, did you not have the presence of mind... Um, she's, she's also tweeted at one point I'm not sure Ian H that's the, the gay one in the group likes my singing no <laughs> there's probably a joke there somewhere Claire isn't there but I'm sure somebody loves steps they're generally very naff and little children and they do the you know tra- tragedy and all this kind of stuff it's all very lovely but uh, she was going off to do the, do the papers but didn't have the presence of mind in the car to say can we listen to something else on the radio so she was so fascinated for 45 minutes she was listening to this programme the programme runs from four till seven, Claire. I can send you copies of it if you like, because you feature so much in it, as you can well imagine. And, uh, and so that's right. I'm looking at some of your little... Um, uh, she's very boring. Even the, the producer says this. I didn't say that because I haven't read them all yet. But he says very boring tweets. But there again, she was just in a little band who stood behind her and did a funny little dance. And uh, I can't remember one of them sings and one of them doesn't. In fact, most of them don't, I don't think. And so they're always miming. But they make their mics live so they can go at the end of the show. Yeah, thank you. And you think, that wasn't you singing, was it, a minute ago. That was click track. Click track. So it's lovely. Anyway, listen, I'm sure there are lots of children listening, Claire, that are big fans of yours. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. Okay. Just thought I'd mention that now, just in case you were getting the wrong end of the stick. I don't want you to sort of misinterpret. But... um, she does sing, but as I say, very difficult to tell, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's live or Memorex. Most of it Memorex, I suspect, because let's face it, you cannot dance and sing. So it's just, it's a posy band. They're called a novelty band, a little bit like, who was that other one? There was another little band about, oh, I'm a Barbie girl, you're a Barbie girl. Is it Aqua? Yeah. Somebody said to me yesterday, I've actually sung more live on this programme than Steps have done in their entire career. <laughs> There you go. I love it. Uh, 84850 steve at uk. But uh, at least you listen for 45 minutes, darling. But to uh, say, not actually having the, uh, the presence of mind to say to the driver, could we listen to something else? She listened for 45 minutes. This means she lives out in the sticks. She's living a long way away. But of course, actually, I should also point out, uh, Claire, that I have a bigger audience than the right stuff. So you're obviously appearing on the wrong thing, darling. Not that we want you on this programme, thank you very much indeed. Holly Willoughby tarnished her image the minute she stepped onto the Keith Lemon show. Completely contradicts her innocent TV image. I think she, um, I, 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 well, her husband, as you know, produces the Keith Lemon show. But, I mean, to get her to do stuff like that, I think is really embarrassing. Will she be doing that when, when the kids are grown up? I just think it's, it's just cheap trash. Seriously, I think it's the worst thing ever on the television. In Malta, it's illegal to take a picture of an empty chair as it's offensive to people who aren't there, says Alec in Essex. Well, I agree with you. I think it's very offensive. I'm, I'm offended by just about everything nowadays. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm seriously expecting bus drivers to say good morning, Steve, when I get on the bus. I mean, how rude not to, not to say anything. That would be the thing, wouldn't it? If everybody said, you know, and also the tube driver. I don't think once I've had a tube driver saying good morning, Steve. At Waterloo Station, I get a number of people, Ian and various other people, saying morning, Steve. I go, good morning. I'm always very polite back again, doing jazz hands. Uh, never, never actually clap because uh, that's offensive to deaf people, apparently. You can imagine what's offensive to blind people, can't you? (laughs) If you missed that, incidentally, that was just very rude. Very rude. I just can't understand. I've never met any deaf people who are offended by anything at all like that. Seriously. Why would somebody be offended? I think other people are offended on their behalf. We have um, lots of um, disabled phone boxes in Twickenham. They put four in. The fact we've only got one one disabled person in the entire borough, of course, is neither here nor there. And it's a special phone at a low height. How insulting is that? How insulting is that to somebody? You know, shouldn't they have the phone on, like, a sliding thing? Like, you know, you have your shower thing on a sliding thing. And the phone could be unless you can bring it down to your height or raise it up to your height.
0: Ridiculous, honestly. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning everybody, 10 to 5, nearly, give or take, you know, a few seconds, doesn't make any difference, you're going to be late anyway, might as well make it, it's, it's, the listen, it's the bank holiday weekend, the bank holiday weekend is an opportunity to do nothing, I don't even know what the weather's going to be like over the bank holiday, you might as well just, just don't go to work, don't go to work today, just phone up your boss and go, I'm not coming in today. You know, I've just won a lot of money on the lottery. I'm not coming. And they go, April Fool I'm uh, not going to do it. But the, the weather forecast for the weekend, is it going to be good? Is it going to be going away anywhere? Uh, so Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, 16 degrees. Sunday, 17. But it's got cloud and rain. And uh, actually today, 8 degrees. That's what it is at the moment. And uh, it'll rise a little bit later on. Uh, to about uh, 15 degrees. So 15, 16 tomorrow, 17, then back to 16. Then Tuesday, 18. So it's not particularly brilliant over the weekend. It's okay, but it's nothing, nothing particularly special for you. What will I be doing over the bank holiday weekend? Um, I don't know actually. I'm uh, I've got sort of it's um, over the next two weeks. I'm fairly busy. We're doing bits and pieces. Today I'm lunching, and then tomorrow I've got to get the car washed. I've seriously got to get the car. I've never known my car gets so dirty in such a short space of time. So I'm going to go and get the car washed, which will make me feel a lot better about life. And uh, and then just a, a lazy day. You've got to do lazy days. I've discovered, and I said to you yesterday, if you're not very well or you don't feel very well, the one thing you need to do is make sure you have a rest because if you keep pushing yourself, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, over the next two weeks, I'm off to the theatre. I've got lunches, hospital, and uh, various other bits and pieces. But it'll be the hospital thing that will probably prey on my mind. I bought this great little thing the other day. It's a blood pressure machine for doing your blood pressure. But this is a great one. As opposed to strapping yourself up, you slip it onto your wrist. And, uh, and then you push a little button and it tightens up. It's very clever. I don't know how it works. Seriously, I've got no idea how these things work. And it was under 30 quid. Because the doctor, my consultant, said you need to get a blood pressure thing. And, uh, and so I bought it the other day. I went online on Amazon. You can go to other places, but uh, Amazon's easier. They seem to have loads of them. And they're very cheap. Under 20 quid, some of them. Under 20. Uh, Ian says, as I'm blessed to be in the airline business, people ask where's the best place uh, I go to. I recommend London all the time. Gateway to see Great Britain. Amazing London museums. Tons of things to do. V&A is one of my favourites. I think think the V&A has gone through the roof in what they actually do. I think they're good. The science museum's really good now. I remember going to it years ago. They try and make you pay in the science museum. I'm sorry, I've paid through taxes and everything else over the years. I'm not paying to go into any museum whatsoever. If I choose to give a donation, I choose to give a donation. But they've got um, a thing, like a turnstile, and tourists pay to go in there. And I think it's a bit naughty because you don't need to pay to go into the museum. It's supposed to be voluntary. And I always say I'm just going to the shop. I don't want to pay every time. Good God, I live in London. I work in London. I've contributed to, you know, people going to museums. I don't want to pay to go to the blooming things. That's part of the perk of the job. And uh, I've noticed, actually, because i raved over an American in Paris, I've got my name up on the hoardings. Which is uh, which I'm quite pleased about. That's very exciting, and um, and so favourite museum would be probably V&A at the moment. I've been to some really good little museums. I like some of the aircraft museums, Duxford and places like that. Um, and I just like I like different places to go to. I think London is great. I mean the best time I ever had. I took a boat down from Charing Cross Pier and went all the way down to Greenwich. Had something to eat in Greenwich. Then came back. Uh, that was lovely. That's a nice piece. For, and I just like sitting on the boat. I always have a bottle of water and a cup of tea. I know it sounds really dark, but I promise you, there'll be people listening my age, probably people older, I should imagine, thinking, do you know, you're quite right, actually. A nice cup of tea. What a lovely thing to do. <laughs> I, I agree. Having a cup of tea and watching the world go by, I could fall asleep on the boat. Seriously. And they get loads of people on there. Some are tourists, but there's Londoners like me. Sort of Londoners. Uh, and then Neil says, all those offers I've made to take you to Arsenal... He says, I bet you'd really wish that you'd come now. <laughs> no. <laughs> never. I could never do it, actually. I couldn't. It's just not my sort of thing, actually. At all. At all. At all, at all, at all. I don't think so. I don't know, I don't know what I do, actually. Michael in Vancouver says, if more sense advice, consider a bypass. Three of my pals have gone through the same increasing problems and now have a worry-free daily life. Well, actually, the sensor, uh, the are normal. Actually normal for me, because I've got four in already. And you can have up to about 20, I think. I think when it gets to that stage, then you could have a, have a bypass. Imagine that. It was, imagine that if I'd actually been sort of, you know, I got to that stage where they go, actually, I've got to go in and have a heart bypass. And you go, God, I'm only young and I've got a bypass then. <laughs> uh, Sunjay says, Claire from Steps, learn how to sing instead of moaning about Steve Allen on LBC. He was only telling the truth about your talentless group. Well, they can dance. It's just that she's sort of, as I say, I mean, she's obviously not not the brightest penny in the box because she was five, six, seven, eight. She's a bit old now for it. She's got kids and all the rest of it, you know. Perhaps her her daughter or whoever it is, dance along to the the, the record. Don't get me wrong, I bought the step stuff. I've got their last show they ever did, hoping it would have been. And, uh, you know, I'm being nice. I'm just telling you the truth. Why does nobody ever say to them, why don't you sing live? Let's hear you singing live. They are on YouTube singing live, I think at GAY and, uh, and it's, uh, it's, uh, you could play it to somebody and go, who do you think this is? If it wasn't for the song, you wouldn't have the faintest idea. It could be anybody who couldn't sing, because I think it's one of those rare occasions. They thought it wouldn't get out, but of course it has. It's in the media, and it's a bit like Jordan trying to sing The Whole New World, isn't it? Poor old Jordan. The Whole New World! And it was a bit flat like that. Cause I reckon that's how they'd be, because otherwise you'd have people warming up, but they're not natural singers. You won't find any of these people from steps in a West End show because they can't sing. You know, if they were really good, they'd be in West End shows, but they're not. Instead, they make their money through miming to basically somebody else's songs. I don't know how many of their their stuff on the new album is theirs or its original. I don't know, because I've not bought the album, but it's number one. But you don't need to sell very many for number one. So I just merely pointed out to poor Claire, who probably doesn't like to hear somebody sort of criticising the group, which she's so fond of, because they're such marvellously talented people. Uh, You know, it's a case of, why don't you sing live? You know, why don't you sing live? Are you on auto-tune? These are the questions I'd want to know. It's a fairly straightforward thing. Why do they... And I know the answer. Because Pete Waterman told me. He said I wouldn't handcraft a record to let them go out and ruin it by singing live. That's what he told me. It's as simple as that. You know, you're not going to ruin... You can go into a studio and with auto-tune we can make you believe that you can sing. So, of course, when they all stand there mime it, they give them little headsets as well. And they give them handheld mics. Kind of a pointless exercise, but there you go. So that's the questions I'd be asking, Claire. You know, and I don't know why nobody's there. I couldn't understand why the Loose Women never asked you. Do you sing live? When will we hear you singing live? Do you use auto-tune? You know, just straightforward questions. You know, the sort of questions that you'd be asking anybody in the business. Because I know loads of people in the business, and they, um, and they, um... They do sing live. They're in West End shows. They sing live. It's as simple as that. Uh, 8 steve at lbc.co.uk If more stents are advised, consider a bypass. Oh, sorry, there was Michael in Vancouver again. Yeah, I don't really want a bypass. I'm prepared to go for stents again, because they've lasted me pff, about eight years, I think. So that'll, that'll see me out. That'll see me out. I think I, shall be, uh, I should be uh, okay after that time. <laughs> Hope so. I hope so. Uh, 83850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, fashionable Freddy. It's hit for six by White Van Man. This is Freddy Flintoff out there and the White Van Man going, get out, I'm trying to do my job and all the rest of it. Why is it White Van Men are always rude? I know White Van Men, they're not all rude at all. A few of them are, but not all of them. A space probe has sent back pictures after a 70,000 mile-an-hour dive through the rings of Saturn. Imagine. The Cassini spacecraft... 746 million miles from Earth. You'll not be there in time for tea. Completed the first of 22 plunges planned for the next five months. It'll beam back ultra HD images capable of identifying features just 450 feet wide. Wow. It's going to do a self-destruction crash into the icy planet later this year. So it's diving through a little bit like I always imagine it like um, Tom... Daily, you know, diving through Flaming Hoops or Esther Williams. (laughs) Esther Williams, pardon pardon me, something like that. And it dives through. It's amazing. But it's that far away from Earth. It is 746 million miles from Earth. 746 million? Isn't that just amazing? Isn't that amazing? Also, why won't the postman deliver? The postman always knocks twice. Uh, He wouldn't because of a little seven-inch chihuahua called Tiny. Tiny. Uh, Tiny is one of those irritating little dogs, and um, and he, every time the postman arrives, uh, Tiny leaps up uh, to the door and grabs the post, and so the postman stopped delivering. I can quite understand that, why should you have to put up with things like that? So if I had to install a postbox outside so the postman could put it in there, and then, and then open the letterbox and go, <laughs> you know, to the dog, because chihuahuas, have you noticed, small dog syndrome. That's why, you know, certain men have big cars. That's what, you know what that is. You know you know what that is. It's sort of one of those things. It's based on size. It's like looking at somebody's feet, apparently. I've got huge feet. And um, I did hear the Lib Dem lady yesterday. We got a little smell clip. My,
0: smell my spaniel, maybe.
1: What was that about? What's the matter with it? They all gone mad in the Lib Dems. Yes, the spaniel. Very odd indeed. Mind you, we heard something even odder yesterday on the programme. I thought somebody was talking about penis. And it turns out it wasn't. That was a word that it sounded like that. Because we all were in the office, our ears pricked up, and uh, and we all went, what was that? And then we all went, did she just say penis on Nick Ferrari's programme? And it turned out it wasn't, but it sounded very similar to it. I don't know why I'll, you know, anyway. Uh, right, uh, other stories in the papers for today. BBC Star Eye was framed, it was hell to prove it. This is Diana Louise Jordan, who used to present songs of praise and everything else. It's taken three years, three years to get herself cleared. Not, uh, not right. Uh, proof that fashion has lost the plot. Uh, kids booking the trend. Kids are buying books, which is good news. The travellers who left 40 tonnes of rubbish when they left a site. They just leave it and then just drive on somewhere else and litter somewhere else. No, 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 no. You drag them back and they pay 20,000 quid to have it removed professionally. Why should we have to pick up the bill? You clear your own rubbish up, thank you very much indeed. And Fergie and her girls sing for their supper. It was a freebie night out for them. And the cancer patient tied up after a row with a BA cabin crew.
0: Ooh. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Oh, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Iceland, they've got two new ice creams. Peach Melba and all-natural watermelon. Love the idea of watermelon ice cream. That sounds delicious, doesn't it? I wonder if it is real watermelon or it's sort of simulated. It's three watermelon solo juice lollies. One pound fifty. That sounds great. Fifty pence a lolly. I can I could just about stretch to that. One pound fifty for four peach melba ice cream lollies. <sighs> I could eat a watermelon one right now, actually. <laughs> just I've got this thing about watermelon. I don't have it very often, in fact, hardly ever, but I, I quite fancy it now. Now I've seen it, I want it. Uh, Emily struggled... Oh, sorry, shrugged of 39-year age gap to fall for ink artist, never tattoo old. And so he's a tattoo artist and she isn't, so she'll no doubt be covered in them very shortly. The picture of Kim's Toy Army... Uh, out there. It's a bit like something out of Toy Story. They're all there wearing their sort of military combat makeup. Must have cost them quite a bit uh, for this. They'll have to rescue it from somewhere. And they've got uh, guns that they're holding, which are fakes. They're North Korea parading a con, claims. Uh, Spook uh, fake guns here. The AK-47s, also guns branded laughable as plastic projectiles, but they sort of hold them. They make it look as though they're really tough and things like that. It's heading for the, heading for disaster, isn't it? Don't you think so? Just got this feeling it's heading for disaster. Anyway, nice to be company. Hope you're well. Welcome to the bank holiday weekend. This is where you can get up and go, yeah, fantastic. We can go and enjoy the weekend. You won't know what to do, so you'll go and sit in a pub by the river, watch the world going by, or you'll come into London, or, as they seem to be predicting, you'll all be heading out of London. That's what Charles Rose has been saying. The big getaway this, this afternoon. I don't know where people go to. Where do they go to? Do you go away to sort of foreign climes, or do we go to Brighton and South End? If you live in Edinburgh, where do you go? Do you go to the Cairngorms or something like that? I mean, I don't know where you would where you would go to. There's a, a Cadbury worker here. Um, he's on a ventilator uh, in a hospital bed. Um, he was fired by Cadbury's and he had an epileptic fit. Robert uh, Titchell had worked for the firm for 29 years when he was fired over claims he chucked sweets at colleagues. Within 48 hours of Robert losing his appeal against the sackings, he suffered the seizure and was rushed to A&E. His wife blames Cadbury for the fit. Although I don't see how you can, but there again, that's what she says. We don't know if he's going to wake up. She says the appeal was our last chance to keep him in the job. He was devastated when the dismissal was upheld. He was totally destroyed. His P-45 came through and that was what set him off. The reality of the situation dawned on him. Um, She added that Robert previously made complaints he was being bullied at the factory in uh, Bourneville in Birmingham. Greta says the dad of two uh, was fired for allegedly throwing chocolate bars and sweets at his colleagues and that he swore at people. She said he'd gone four years without any seizures, but the stress of the claims against him brought them back. Robert, who was a logistics operator, remained in a critical condition yesterday. Cadbury has uh, issued a statement and they've said our thoughts are, of course, with this. Former employee and their family at this difficult time. However, it would be inappropriate to comment on any individual employee, past or present. I love the idea that they've said here. Uh, our thoughts are, of course, with this former employee. they are obviously not backing down, are they, on this one? You could tell. Because that's the problem nowadays, that, you know, people get through... And how old did I say he was? 53. So he's 53. He's an old-looking 53. I mean, I think I'm a very young-looking, <laughs> slightly older uh, person. But, um, you know, he's, sort of, he's on this ventilator... And he was throwing things and messing around. And uh, I don't know. We'll wait and see what happens. I don't, I mean, he's already lost the appeal. So perhaps it doesn't go to another stage. But you can imagine when, and it does happen. I've spoken to people before, friends of mine who've lost their jobs later in life. And they've been absolutely devastated. But they've picked themselves up and uh, and they've found something else to do. And I think that's amazing. I think if you can do something like that. It's very difficult. I remember losing my job years and years and years and years ago. And sort of walking out the building, sort of thinking, what do I do now? What do I do now? Luckily, I've got enough friends and I had a job offer within, I think, about a week and a half or something like that. Admittedly, the job didn't turn out to be anything and I came back to LBC because by that time we'd changed managements yet again. And uh, But the the other job, I was sort of doing it, but I was wandering through it. I wasn't sort of totally committed to it. But I thought, well, you know, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. It was still in the same business. It was still in, uh, still in, in radio. But uh, it, it, it must have been a shock for him. And I'm of the firm belief that, you know, things can can sort of bring on all sorts of problems maybe you didn't have. If you're diabetic, if you get stressed out, it makes your diabetes worse. You know, my friend Mike, he's uh, he's on sort of a management kind of course at the moment to try and sort out his diabetes because he's all over the place. I mean, seriously, he's sort of—you know—he'll he'll go from ridiculously low numbers to ridiculously high numbers. There's no, there's no logical reason for it. He's, uh, he's, he's not a great diabetic, and he knows that because we're always talking about it. Every time I see him, <laughs> we're always talking about what sort of numbers we're doing. Excuse me. Just, uh, I look on that as a bank holiday cup of coffee. Be better with one of those watermelon ice creams, then, wouldn't it? Uh, I just quite fancy the idea. Uh, Rackle Welsh is in the papers today. Remember Rackle Welsh? I never thought she was that great, actually. Uh, She was on the television. She was sort of... She was just a very good-looking person who featured... She came out of the sea, I think, in a Bond movie, and she's done One Million Years B.C. and various other things like that. Anyway, she's got a picture in the paper today. She's 76. She's 76, and she is flawless. I mean, she's flawless. And you sort of think to yourself... How'd you ever get to look like that at the age of seventy-six? So they've they've had roughly a guess at how somebody looks that good at seventy-six, and um, she's claiming that she's only had little bits of uh, little bits of work done. And so, well, to me, at seventy-six, she looks like she's had her of work done. Yeah. You can always tell. There's something about it when when somebody at seventy-six has got a flawless complexion. It's not just cream. It can't be. It's just not. It's not physically possible for that. Uh, but anyway, we'll analyse that a bit later on. And here they all are: the good and the great, or not, as the case may be. And this is uh, scores of stars enjoying a launch at a new hotel uh, in cities uh, in London City District. Guests: Daisy Lowe, Kirsty Gallagher, Eddie Redmayne um, uh, parted in the nightclub, set in a safe which featured in the Bond movie Goldfinger. Uh, as locals cry out for affordable housing, the Ned, with its 15 bars, nine restaurants. And rooms at £2,275 a night. Offers affordable carousing for the rich. Dubbed Vaulty Towers, the former headquarters of the Midland Bank, boasts views of St Paul's. From its rooftop pool bar, open to £3,000 a year members. The bash described as one of the most extravagant in London. Although I don't know, really. I mean, Eddie Goulding was there. uh, Gary Barlow sung, so he'll have been paid. Turning up again... Fergie and uh, Beatrice and Eugenie and all those sort of... Eddie Redmayne was there. Claudia Winkleman and um, uh, Eddie Redmayne and his wife, Hannah. I don't know, actually. I always think if you go out to some of the openings of this, there's an opening here coming up um, very shortly. And, and I've been invited to our one of our hotels. Not one of our hotels, it's the hotel next to us, the Hampshire. And they've invited me to this, this, this new part of it. Unfortunately, it's in the evening. I mean, I can't do anything in the evening. I'm working. My my commitment is to uh, is to this station. I've got no you imagine if I turned up and I was half asleep. Imagine what the program would sound like. A bit like this. A little bit like this. It, because you, you just can't do it. I haven't got the energy to do it. It's uh, it's it's very difficult. More on this uh, this boxing. Go, oh, I bet you're going to be bored witness by the time we got to the weekend on LBC listening to people talking about this uh, this boxer, Anthony Joshua. And uh, the £15 million world champ who still lives in a council flat with his mother. I think it's an ex-council flat, isn't it? Otherwise I'd be questioning how she's got one. If he's got £15 million quid in the bank. Somebody's taken the Michael somewhere, but I think it's an ex-council flat. Uh, B&Q, warning of a new light peril. There's always something, isn't it? You'll see adverts in the papers for this one. And uh, this could send um, glass shades crashing to the ground. Oh dear, I'm sure about that. It's just slightly disturbing, isn't it? Anybody watching Emmerdale? Nope, just me again every so often. I couldn't keep up with it. But they've said that the storylines are going to continue. The storylines are going to continue. They're going to continue pushing the boundaries, which is what they're supposed to do, I think. And uh, people are talking about Line of Duty. I know that uh, I think Warren told us how brilliant it was. Uh, I haven't seen it, but they're all saying it's got Tandy Newton in it. So perhaps I should start watching and or at least catch up with it on uh, on sort of box set or something like that. I quite fancy the idea of doing that, but I just can't get round to it at the moment. Also a new programme on the television about Barbara Windsor, called Babs, and uh, that'll chart her uh, her life. I was going to say her meteoric rise. Rise is the last thing you think about when you think of Barbara Windsor, you <laughs> just think little, little blonde person, little person, that's what I always think of whenever I see her, and I will be seeing her very, very shortly, which I'm looking forward to doing. And um, Alexander Bemange... I've noticed uh, his, uh, his comedy album is at number one. Remember, we, we, we talked about that before. And um, so I think this Sunday evening, there are a few tickets. He's got some leading ladies and leading men. He's at the Hippodrome. And um, he's got uh, loads of people performing songs uh, from his show. And there's all sorts of people on this album, Wit and Whimsy, uh, which is lovely. As I say, it's gone to number one. Gone to number one, so he's very, very pleased. Very, very pleased indeed, which is, uh, which is good. Very, very pleased for him. So, Alexander, well done. Congratulations. Uh, what else have we got in the papers for today, apart from um, student digs, filthiest? A teenager has won the title of having Britain's grubbiest student digs after being told to enter by her appalled father. This is uh, Brittany Cooper's kitchen was overflowing with bins, piles of pizza boxes, and uh, Brittany, Britani, won £500 in the webblinds.com competition. She says Dad wants a share, but that won't be happening. Aren't students mucky? These are the ones, students, not her in particular, uh, for uh, deciding that uh, deaf people are offended by clapping. But they're not. They're, they're, they, they can see what people are doing. They know what it is. And so they've said you have to do jazz hands. most patronising thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, what else we got? What else have we got? Quick, 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 quick. It's all this, uh, this man caught with these knives. Um, a dramatic moment. Um, we're pretty certain the family have phoned up the police and said, listen, he's got all these knives, he's gone off. We don't know what's the matter with him. I mean, he might be ill. I don't, I've got no idea. I think there's something the matter with most of these people anyway. Quite near to where PC Keith Palmer was stabbed to death. And so uh, the police were on it like that. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Davina McCall says she's getting bolder as she gets older. Which I think is, is quite nice, actually. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit Victor Meldrew, isn't it? He's 80. He's 80. Good for him, good for him. And um, I think I think as you as you do get older, you are allowed to behave a little bit more disgracefully. Not completely disgracefully, but I, I think you can be irritable. It's like, I don't, I, I, I sort of get off the bus now. I do let, if it's an elderly person, I'll let them off first. But if I see a school person, I go, excuse me, and I make it quite clear that you don't push in on a bus in front of elderly people. That's not me, I'm sort of doing it for the other elderly people on there. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC.
1: Nice to be company. 19 minutes past five at Steve Allen's early breakfast. What did I just spot? Oh, yes, a question from uh, from Matt Lucas. A uh, question for everybody. Uh, why doesn't everybody who lives in Midsummer just move away? Sooner there'll be nobody left to murder. I mean, they go there, you know, it's, it's like everywhere Jessica Fletcher goes, there's always a murder and and she's always right she always knows who it is and yet the local police chief says you know why don't you just butt out you know you don't know what you're talking about excuse me i'm a crime writer i know exactly who it is and uh, and she's right every time i'd have moved out of cabot cove years ago in midsummer definitely how many more people can be murdered their crime rate must be the equivalent of the entire the entire united kingdom it's just terrible isn't it julian lennon says he doesn't want to work with paul mccartney he says because there would be uh, pressure to come up with a Beatles sequel. Oh, I don't really think you're in the same league, actually, Julian. It's nice. I quite like Julian, but I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think Paul McCartney's expressed any interest to record or, or sing with him. Perhaps I could put him on stage. I would think so, actually. That'd be quite a nice thing to do, put them on stage. Uh, so it's a 10,000 square foot mega home, and it's absolutely beautiful. 13 bedrooms, three swimming pools and stunning views. This is Celine Dion's Florida mansion. I mean, it really is quite something. It's on five and a half acres. It's got a water park because they've got three sons, and a hundred meters of private beach. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> it really is, and it's only thirty million. Do you think if I won the lottery, I could go buy it? Because in in Mayfair, it's making the house I'm thinking of buying, and that's twenty five million. It's looking a bit poky. I, I don't want people to sort of come round and go. The house is a bit poky, Steve. But if you move out of London, you get a lot more for your money. Not as far out as Claire from Steps, you know, because she's obviously a long way out. She's about 45 minutes to an hour out there. And she loves this programme. She can't get enough of it. Can't get enough. Yeah, jazz hands, you know, tragedy. As I say, let's let's have you singing live, shall we? That'd be my ultimate thing. It'd be like going along to a Beatles show and the Beatles miming, you know. And you know they're miming. You can tell by the sound quality. I've been in the business more than 40 years. I know exactly what it sounds like. You'd be 40 back touring again. They are all out there, Ali Campbell, Astro and Mickey Virtue, and because um, they, they they fell out, didn't they? Another group that sort of fell out. Uh, don't forget we have got clips a little bit later on this morning of my two guests who are with me for in conversation this week. So we're celebrating Pink Floyd with Nick Mason. And Dennis Quaid has got a new film out. There's a man who's been around the world a few times and bought the T-shirt. Cool, blimey. That's he ever. He's had his uh, dabblings with just about everything. But in his latest film, it, you're going to love it. If you're a dog lover, this is your film. OK, this, is, this isn't this is a talking dog. This is a dog who has thoughts. OK, so you hear the dog's thoughts, but you don't see the mouth move. It's not one of those sort of films. It's not animated or anything like that. But uh, you're going to love it. You're seriously going to love it. If you're, if you're a proper doggy lover, Bridget will like it. She'll like it. She's a proper doggy lover. Uh, there's a, um, a film here about a zookeeper, Jan and Antonia Zabinski. They hid their guests from the Nazis in animal cages at Warsaw Zoo. They saved 300 Jews. And this is coming out, um, The Zookeeper's Wife... I think I want to see this film. I think I want to see it. I like films like that. And uh, there's loads of other films on, aren't there? Who's had a picture of? Jude Law, starring in Obsession. He's such a nice man, seriously. Somebody said to me the other day, they always ask me, whenever you have sort of big guests in, people just say, what were they like? And I go, they were charming. Charming. And they go, oh, I'm so pleased. And I always go, why? And they go, oh, because I didn't want them to not be charming. I said, no, believe you me, they were charming. So yesterday, Nick Mason, charming. You know, I said to him, thank God you kept up the drumming, eh? I said, that if somebody had said to you years ago, you know, one of these days that drumming will buy you a small fortune in motor racing cars. I mean, he must have, I would like to imagine how much he's got worth. One of his cars is between 15 and 20 million pounds. You know, he races. his father used to film, he used to make documentaries about these. And we we trace the history of Pink Floyd from the early days when they were called The Pink Floyd. And we talk about all sorts of things. All of a sudden, something will flish, flick into his mind. We talk about Joe Meek. And he goes, oh, I was talking about that the other day. And then we sort of go down the road with a little story. It's good stuff. Really good stuff. So Dennis Quaid talking about his journey and this journey of this dog. Very clever. And, um, and Nick Mason. It was very. I said, "Do you mind signing things?" He had to sign about six things yesterday. <laughs> Producer does always the thing at the end. He's, he becomes a bit Uriah Heap. He goes, "Would you mind if I have a picture taken?" Could I? Be, could, he always goes, "Do you mind if I could I be cheeky and, I, and have a picture taken?" So, of course, I should imagine that Mark has flashed this picture around of him and Nick. Has it gone round already? He's doing it already. He did say that yesterday. I said, "You've got to watch it." I said, "He's terrible." You know, for sort of flashing pictures around all over the place. And so I said yesterday, I knew he was going to do it. The moment he had a picture taken with Nick Mason. He always, but he always says the same thing. And he is a bit like, be it ever so humble. You know, he's a bit, he's a bit like that. And he said, well, could I be a bit cheeky and have a picture taken? And very graciously, because some people don't. We well, did have a guest in a while ago who didn't want pictures taken. And, uh, oh, look at him, honestly. He just loves it, doesn't he? He said, I love this. Just recorded a great interview with Steve talking to Nick Mason. Don't you just love it when you meet your heroes and they're really nice? <laughs> That's a good picture, actually, isn't it? That's a very good picture. In fact, if, if Mark had had an iron, he he could have looked better, actually. The shirt could have uh, done with a bit of an iron. That's a nice... Oh, he'll be thrilled with that picture. That's so good, isn't it? And um, when is the recording due to go out? This weekend! This weekend, Nick Mason... I think I was, I wanted to call the programme, as we did with the Cliff one, when, when Cliff met Steve. I wanted to do this one with Nick Mason, when, when Nick met Steve. But uh, it was just good. It was very interesting. An hour from now, we'll hear, we'll play you a little bit of it. We've got a couple of clips of that one and also of Dennis Quaid. It's a nice picture of Mark, actually. Wife will be pleased, you looking reasonably happy there. He's got fatter, though, since he's worked with me. I've noticed. I don't want to say that, you know, because it makes me sound a bit sort of mean. But he has pictures taken with everybody. He went through, every time somebody comes in, he has pictures taken. And, and it's always this, you know, can I be a bit cheeky? And so he's got pictures. Who's that? Oh, that's right. He had a picture. I oh, remember that one. Oh, how funny. How funny. Where did he go to that one for? Did he? Oh, he went to the show, didn't he? Went to, he went to see Russell Howard. I couldn't. They offered me. I don't want you to think I wasn't offered tickets. I'm having a look. at Who else has he got pictures of? Oh, he's terrible, honestly, isn't he? He's, he's going off to see... What's he going off to see? He's going to see... Oh, he's going to see the Australian Pink Floyd. Did he go to that? Did he go to the... Did he go to the Capital Summertime Ball? Look how packed that is there. But, yeah, he's, um, he's, he's going to see the Australian Pink Floyd because we asked Nick Mason about tribute bands and there are a number of tribute bands to Pink Floyd. And, uh, and he, he thought they were fabulous. He thought they were fabulous. Oh, that's him with Dennis Quaid. He's so cheeky, honestly, isn't he? He's so cheeky. He likes pictures taken with these celebrities. I don't know what that... Oh, we know what that one was, yeah. We don't, we don't want to go there, actually. That's that's not a picture of a celebrity. It's a picture of an ex-celebrity, I think. Who's that? Oh, that's Jude Law, honestly. Look at me. What do I look like, honestly? I'm about to give birth. Anyway, uh, what did Paul Fears say? He said something, actually. What did he say there? He says... Uh, he said, oh, JLL-like. Donny Dodgy Barnett." Actually, it wasn't... It said it because it's black... I didn't know we were doing black and white pictures. Since when did we do black and white pictures? Mark just sort of being, ooh, creative. Terrible, isn't he, really? 27 minutes past uh, five is uh, the time. Front page of the Mail today. Sergeant Blackman's joyful wife on the news that he's being freed today. I haven't slept. I feel like a child waiting for Christmas he was let out at uh, midnight, so he will just be five. He'll still be drinking coffee, I should imagine, five hours uh, later. And uh, his uh, lawyer, Sergeant Blackman's lawyer, is going to be with Nick Ferrari later this morning, so that'll be interesting. The first interview will be interesting as well with him. I don't, is he allowed to give interviews? I don't, he is allowed to give interviews. Gosh, hope we actually get him at some point. Uh, the new Westminster terror alert: seized with a rucksack full of knives. It's another lunatic. I'm afraid. And uh, we think this one, the family phoned up and said he's heading into town. We think he's he's taken some kitchen knives and everything else. Uh, We don't know. We just know he's a 27-year-old man. He looks a bit simple. It's not his fault, but uh, didn't get any further. Thank God for the police. Thank God for the security services. Thank God for people, you know, out there who moved like fast. Rackle Welsh is flawless at 76. So how does she do it? She says she's not had surgical help. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I really do Do these people think we fell out of trees? She's 76. If you look at a picture of her... I mean, she's got this, you know, hair that gets blow-dried and it's all coloured and everything else. But she's not had surgical help. Instead, she champions looking after herself in the same way you maintain your home. Well, she's had her face vacuumed, has she, or something like that. Uh, She claims her remarkable lack of wrinkles is not down to Botox or a facelift... She's a fan of udder cream. It's used by farmers to soothe their cow's skin. I just don't... You'll look at this picture and you'll go, I'm sorry, dear, we are not stupid. Anti-wrinkle plasters. And this is frownies. And also, listen, Rackle Welsh and I do exactly the same thing. And I've told you about this before, and people have written into me saying, no, you're not right. What do we do? She says here she avoids drying products such as soap. So you don't use soap, okay? Uh, Also, people are saying, is she wearing a wig? She does have a wig collection. There is a wig collection, which I've seen them selling on the television. And um, indeed, an advert for a hair firm owned by herself reads, ever wondered how stylish celebrities keep their hair looking perfect? It's no secret they wear a wig. And this one could be a wig. I mean, it could be, because she's 76. I don't know how good people's hair at 76 is. The million-dollar smile... I mean, she's quite clearly had some sort of cosmetic dentistry. She's had to have done. Nobody has teeth like this at 76, dear. I'm sorry. As I say, please don't treat us as idiots. I don't like that. Women in their 60s or 70s often develop bags under their eyes, but apparently not Miss Welsh. The effect may be down to excellent concealer. She also seems to be wearing a sort of set of false eyelashes, making her elegantly feline peepers stand out and appear bigger. And her neck is ageless as well. There's no wrinkles, free of creepy skin or age spots. There's no telling how she does it, but experts suggest other women could resort to a surgical neck lift. George Samouris, a cosmetic surgeon at the hospital group, says it tightens the skin, making it look younger. She's definitely got to have something done. You do not look like this at 76. I'm sorry, you just don't. That's the way it goes. You're listening
0: to a podcast
1: from LBC. Two things. We don't normally do sort of the political side of it. I'll leave that to people who are far better qualified to talk about it because I'm just, I'm just one of those sort of people who votes. I always vote. I always vote. I'm never too sure who I'm voting for. But now Tony Blair won't back Corbyn and tips May for victory. However, the BBC fell foul the other day. The BBC had been accused of bias. <laughs> Not for the first time. Not for the first time. They interviewed a nurse about the NHS, Danielle Tiplady spoke to the BBC News Channel about the cap on health sector pay and endorsed Labour's plans to end it. Uh, she was introduced as a community nurse. She told presenter Hugh Edwards that her colleagues cannot afford to live on their wages, but he failed to point out that she's a little bit more than just a nurse. She's a hard-left campaigner who backs Jeremy Corbyn and writes for the Communist Morning Star paper. Last night, the BBC, who cough up every so often when they make cock-ups admitted it should have said Miss Tiplady was an activist. Tory MPs, uh, Andrew Bridgen, said it had broken strict impartiality rules during the election. They know what they're doing. They're not stupid. Unless they've really got amateurs running their their news operation, which I find very difficult to believe. But uh, why was she not introduced as a Corbyn activist? You know, because, because it's bent reporting. You know, Hugh Edwards, did he check? No, of course they don't. They're just given guests. They sit in front of them. and They just do the do the interview, which is uh, a shame, really. So uh, there you go. So it's a Corbin Easter nurse. She's well known. She writes. She writes. Of course, she's going to be saying things like that. But she should have. It should have been pointed out. She was an activist. But the BBC, hoping not to be found out, just going on. Um, um, yeah, we should have pointed that out. Anyway, sorry about that. You know, a bit like sort of you know any of the other cock-ups that they've had on there. Uh, yeah, we should have mentioned that, but kind of we didn't because we're the BBC. So. Uh, HMRC's risky plan to shut most of you will be cheering at this one 170 tax offices uh, they want to save money uh, the Public Accounts Committee attacked plans to replace 170 of them with 13 regional hubs in city centres like Leeds, Cardiff, London and Glasgow they could have save £300 million uh, MPs say they didn't believe the claim after finding the cost of relocating had risen by £150 million so uh, I, don't, I don't know about these sort of places at all uh, But they are uh, considering the committee's report and will respond in due course. So these are tax offices. What do you do in a tax office? Do you just go there and sort of somebody sorts out your tax for you? Oh, I thought that's what we had accountants for. Uh, Reading novels, says Tom Utley on my Kindle, made me think I was gaga. Now I'm back in love with my wine-stained books. You can't beat books. You can't beat the smell of books. You can't beat anything. You've got, to, you know, nothing beats the smell of a book. Nothing, nothing beats the physicality of actually holding a book and turning the pages. God, I've got some books that go back to the 1940s. And to be honest with you, some of the pages might be falling out, but I wouldn't swap them for the world. In fact, sometimes I just sniff the book. Not right, is it? Would be arrested. What does he do? Sniff books. Why? Because there's a smell that comes along with books from the 1940s and 30s. Leap up and down. Wave your jazz hands in the air. And uh, and this is uh, Little John's column today, talking here about uh, the battle to lead the nation's students, which ended in a frenzy of jazz hands as voters celebrating the ousting of their controversial president, uh, Malia Butaya. The far-left incumbent who likes to address her fellow students as brothers, sisters and non-binary siblings was defeated by a working-class single mother who's never been to university. Shakira Martin won over a roomful of 721 student delegates with a passionate speech delivered from her five-inch platform heels. Um, But they do this is uh, to avoid alienating deaf people and those upset by loud noises. They do jazz hands. He said, I'll repeat that again. The battle to lead the nation's students ended in a frenzy of jazz hands. You know what jazz hands are? That's where you take your hands, you look like you're doing a cheap step dance. Oh, tragedy. And so it is for the students, so they do jazz hands. How many students are deaf? I mean, are there, are there sort of like, roomfuls of people? Am I missing out on this one? Because, I mean, most people who, who are deaf, they have hearing aids fitted. You can have a cochlear implant, I think... And uh, and that can help with something. They're not offended by it. who's Who's ever said that these deaf students were offended by clapping? Where's that one come from? Ridiculous. I'd be offended by somebody, you know, standing behind you at a crossing going... <whistles> you know, I mean, that that's what it would be. Somebody texted in to Darren. Early. He was talking about this earlier on. But don't jazz hands offend the blind? You see, for the blind, you have to then they'd know what that was. But that's now offending the deaf, so you have to do jazz hands. So the blind are going, what's going on? They're doing they're doing jazz hands, dear. What? They're doing jazz hands. What for? Um, not allowed to do clapping. What for? It's offensive to deaf people. I can't see anything. I could only hear. Well, you're not going to get it, love. Unfortunately, deaf people go ahead, blind people. I mean, dear Lord above. Have we gone completely round the bend? I'm very seriously. a students, that thick... That they're buying into this, they're like sheep. No, no, don't do that. It's offensive to one. Po- oh, they didn't make it today. Oh well, we can all clap. That's how stupid it is. It really just drives me insane. Steve, it was Ursula Andress who came out of the sea in the James Bond movie, not Rackle Welsh. She was in Thousand Years B.C. She wore a fur bikini. Hold yourself back, Ken. It's only it's only Friday, all right. Don't get too excited about the thing. We don't do that sort of program here. We, we don't do the old sexes, get your boobies out. We're not doing that kind of program. It's unnecessary, very unnecessary. Uh, the Lynx effect. You've been seeing that on the television. The Lynx effect. It's sort of it's a body deodorant uh, spray, and uh, now it's ditched its laddish advertising. Um, uh, it, it's it, the sales of it are surging. Really odd. Oh, very odd. And uh, it initially enjoyed huge success with the Lynx effect, showing women chasing a man who'd use Lynx as if... You'd call the police, wouldn't you? Stalker! That's what you'd do. You'd be doing that. However, the ads were lambasted as sexist and, uh, and glamour model Lucy Pinder because they were degrading to women. Unilever announced to move away from sexist advertising uh, from all their products because they do Lynx, uh, Magnum, Persil, Nor Stock Cubes. And so the new adverts for the deodorant, under the slogan, Find Your Magic, are rather more politically correct. Actually, there's a piece about magic in the paper today. They're saying, oh, the little girl who's on Britain's Got Talent, who's very good as a magician, her grandfather, and believe you me, he's not old enough, is a guy called Russ Stevens. Russ Stevens runs a magic company, and uh, he coaches people in the art of magic. And they've said, oh, she's got an unfair advantage. He's coached loads of people. He was the one who did the bloke in the military. He was, he was his coach on the programme. He does loads of people. It doesn't give him a, uh, you know, a, a, an inroad into the programme. He just, And she's bright. She's eight. She's bright. I mean, even one of our fellow presenters here on a, a station that's uh, gold. Oh only believe in you. And, um, and he was sort of trying to guess at how things work. And um, I hate it when you... Because you know, I can't tell people. I know. Because I'm a member of the Inner Magic Circle. But I certainly wouldn't tell people. That would be terrible. That kind of ruins it. Because once you know how things work, it, it, it kind of spoils it. You don't want to know things. I, I like to believe that people have magical powers. You know. I didn't tell him. No, no, no. Um, I just sort of walked out of the studio. Uh, <laughs> which was easier that way. No, he, he was sort of thinking about the, the light and heavy chest. He was thinking it was uh, electromagnets. I said, I don't really think they're going to go to that sort of trouble, so uh, discount that one straight away. Uh, Emily Maitlis is a broadcaster, and she's got a 12-year-old son, who, she says, has already experimented with communism and Corbyism. Let's not let him anywhere near the BBC, shall we? Uh, She said her eldest boy, Milo, has taken an early interest in politics and is now a Welsh nationalist and libertarian. He's 12! He's 12! What's the matter with kids having a life? Speaking about her decision not to bring up her two sons as strict Jews, she says he's gone through the whole range, so for me to say you must believe or you must follow this doctrine is slightly outside how we talk as a family. Uh, She's from a Jewish family. She said it had been hard to bring up her children in the faith as her husband is Catholic. She told the Jewish Chronicle it's much harder to instil one type of, you know, arrangement. There's more and more of that now, isn't there, really? You see more of people sort of saying, well, you know, religion is important to us, but not that important. You know, I think it's quite nice there to have that religion as a, as a basis for everything. I don't know why. It's only because I didn't, I didn't have that sort of thing. I'd quite like to have been Jewish, actually. I know I could convert if I so uh, so decided. But uh, I think it's not to be. Not at my time of life. Uh, the man, Mountain, who lives with his mum, Britain's first sporting billionaire. A load of old claptrap, isn't it, really? So they've got a picture of him with... Um, uh, his mum, and also cuddling up to Cara Delevingne. Uh, I don't know why. Six foot six, he loves chess. And tomorrow he picks up 15 million quid from the UK's biggest ever boxing match. Not bad for a former crim living in mum's ex-council flat. I mean, to be honest with you, who cares? I Seriously, I couldn't be less interested. Seriously, I could not be less interested in something. Is he going to be the first sporting billionaire? Of course he's not. Of course he's not. He'll have his five minutes of fame, and this time next week, you won't remember him. It's as simple as that. It'll have disappeared completely. And so they've done a piece... There's a couple of pieces in a couple of the papers today, but frankly, I'm not interested. Arkansas have executed another prisoner, somebody on death row. That's the fourth one now that they've done. They're trying to get this uh, this through fairly, fairly quickly, and they're sort of doing it a bit more low-key. They've suddenly realised it gets them lots of publicity, but now they've actually uh executed the fourth person in as many days it is beaconsfield that little town it's called Beckenscot, isn't it i think and uh this is a uh, big thing on model villages on the uh on the television and as a child we used to love to go to beaconsfield to go to beaconscott because it's got a model village and you'd watch you know trains running i was fascinated by this as a kid i don't know if i thought little people lived there or whether I just thought it was a model village, just small houses. Like I like, in particular, and I, I've only got a few buildings, uh, the um, Christmas village houses. If I had enough room, if I had a big loft, I would put in a train set, and I would put in all these Christmas houses that light up and figure skating and stuff like that, because I quite like it, so it looks quite nice. And being a festive sort of person, being somebody who likes the festive season, I'm always sort of thinking, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't know what to do with it. I was watching one of these antiquey programmes. They seem to have resurrected a few people from the early days of the antiquey programmes. There's one bloke from Blackpool. I can't remember his name, but he always looks. Like he always wears a tie. You never see him without a tie, and I suspect he probably wears a vest. And uh, he's, he's sort of crept back into them again. And actually, he was quite interesting the other day. He was a bit creepy beforehand. Uh, I suspect he's probably got an antique shop, and he's probably married with about three children. Uh, but he always wore a tie. He looked a little bit sort of, you know. Now, now he's sort of he's sort of grown into it a little bit better. Roads clogged up by the huge rise in delivery vans. Well, huge rise in delivery van. Miles and Spencers are starting delivering food um, to compete with all the online companies because they're all doing it. You don't need to go anywhere at all. You can just literally go on the uh, on the internet, register, order your stuff, and um, and then it arrives. And in fact, in some cases, they even put it into your fridge and all the rest of it. And that's, and that's, quite, that's quite disturbing, because I quite like the idea of shopping. I like the idea of going to places. I like the idea of actually physically picking something up. It's not the same looking in a catalogue, is it? Like if you're buying clothes. I mean, I've had to buy the Tommy Bahamas shirts by just looking at the picture. And uh, that's about as good as it gets. But I, I quite like the idea of physically seeing something and actually touching it. You want to feel the quality. It's like when I go to Marks and Spencer's. Other shops are available at the moment and you can buy sort of shirts. Uh, the first thing I do is feel feel the quality of the shirt. If I don't like the quality of the shirt, I mean, the one I'm wearing this morning, it's quite nice, uh, hangs well. It, it, it irons. It irons very, very well. And this, and this shirt is about five years old, but you'd never know it, because it it just is one of those ones, it doesn't... I don't do creased shirts. I can't do creased shirts at all. It drives me absolutely
0: mad. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning. I've suddenly realised, actually, when we talked about the travellers earlier on and all this rubbish, apart from the fact this, is, this has happens all the time, it's happened around our area loads of times, but the people now, under these new laws who could be fined, and what they will do, the council will go through these bin bags. If they find your address in there, and something, because you're not bright enough to think you should have shredded it, uh, you're going to be liable for prosecution. You will be the one paying to take this rubbish away. Because what you've effectively done is, somebody's pulled up on your drive and gone, I'll take that for you. And you've gone, how much? They go, 20 quid, 50 quid, take it all away. And so you've just got all these bags of rubbish, you throw them away. If they can identify anybody through this, under the new laws which are now out, you're going to be prosecuted. Can't wait. I cannot wait. You know, nobody's stupid enough to think somebody on a flatbed truck is going to be taking it away and put it on a council tip. They're going to dump it anywhere. In this particular case, they dumped it, uh, you know, all sorts of things: There's aerosol cans, hospital sample jars, building waste. So police have searched the area and taken photos to track down those responsible. Shouldn't take long. Expect the knock on your door, if you've been stupid enough to uh, let somebody take your rubbish when you've given them money because you're too bone idle to go to the skip. The new law means you're going to pay for it. Good, good. Can't can't wait for that one to happen. Uh, Jan Moyer, talking about uh, today, uh, how do you pronounce chorizo or scone? And is it espresso? You know, all of these words. Nobody knows how to pronounce things. And so on MasterChef, there uh, uh, there was a bit of a meltdown. They had a dish of pork... With grilled calamari and chorizo jam, the problem was the pronunciation of the paprika-soaked meaty beast. Is it choriizo or cho-ree-th-o? On the program, Sean Rankin used the former, while the show's narrator chose the latter. It's always the narrators; they've got different, they've got different vocabulary from everybody else. I've heard the most dreadful pronunciation on programs. I've heard people saying pronunciation. Pronunciation, I ask you. These are people on news programmes, mainly on the BBC. I've heard more people mispronouncing on the BBC. And they're supposed to know about this. Quite clearly not. But uh, apparently the European Spanish say it one way and the white South American Spanish say it the other way. It's like gooseberry and gooseberry, isn't it? Aluminium, aluminium, shrewsbury and shrewsbury. You know, personally, I've got better things to worry about. It's chorizo... OK, depending on where you come from, that might offend some people. It's like, what was the other one as well that sort of comes up? It's um, bagel or beigel. You know, that's, have you ever heard that one? Yeah, bagel or beigel. You hear you hear two different versions depending on, you know, just wh- where people come from, I think. People have sort of got all these different different pronunciations. But it, it does come back. You know, I remember s- somebody saying writing to me once saying, it's not espresso, it's espresso. I thought, why don't you get a life? Well, I didn't write and tell them because I thought it was pointless because they obviously realised. But uh, it is, it's is—it's pronunciation on television programmes. And on news, it's even worth i Sometimes I've sat there listening to somebody reading the news on on the television. i thought, no, that's wrong. You can't say it like that. That's just not right at all, is it? But uh, anyway, Jan My- I quite like Jan Meyer's column. It's always very, very interesting. Uh, the gadget that'll say, yes, your bum does look big in this which I quite like the idea. Perhaps I'll aim it at Kim Kardashian. And Cheryl's little house has gone on the, uh, on the market, which is great. Obviously having trouble selling it. Obviously having trouble selling it. Do you think she's ever pushed a hoover around in her life? Way well, yeah, because I'm worth it. I'll get a servant in. And, uh, and, it's. I mean, the house is not my idea at all. It looks horrible. It's a little bit too modern, but it does have a cinema... Room in it with a screen of 101 inches, which is practically tiny, I think, if you're having a proper cinema room. And most of these people, they build extra rooms in these places. They go, uh, we'll call this the cinema room, shall we? And it's got a pool, but again, it's not a particularly big pool. It's OK. I think it'll sit there. It'll just attract novelty value. Sue Ann says, I love the Lynx ads. Leave them. What about the, uh, the Full Monty? Versailles, the Dream Boys. I, don't, I can't remember the Lynx ad. I seriously can't remember it. I remember the... I remember the... the, the is that the woman? Ch- or is that the man chasing the woman who's wearing something? She's she buys flowers from a stall, or he buy. No, that's right. She walks past him. He rushes to a stall, picks up flowers, shoves some money in this poor old woman's hands. You know, obviously not as much as it should be, and then runs after her. You know, and it's when a stranger gives you flowers, or something. You know, and it's supposed to be quite uh, quite a nice thing. And I'm sort of I'm always looking. I mean, the, the advert is called Fallen Angels. Uh, one one of many many adverts, and all it is, it's a body deodorant advert. That's all it is. It's nothing more. So they've got lot, beautifully done. It must cost a fortune, an absolute fortune. And so here is a woman dressed as a as an angel, uh, with wings, as well. Not not the Claire Rayner wings, but these are uh, other sort of wings on her back. And and uh, and people are sort of seeing angels falling out of the sky. It's it's quite nice, actually, but it must cost a fortune. It's only... A, and there's the sort of angels falling everywhere. This whole, you know, thing is just based on angels falling. I'd love to... I'd, I'm coming back as an angel, I've decided, actually. An angel of not very nice proportions. But uh, it's a beautiful advert, but it's just advertising a body deodorant. That's all it is. It's a body deodorant. They've got all sorts of models in it, and they look nice. I wonder if, if angels exist. I quite fancy the idea of talking to an angel... But uh, very nicely done, and obviously filmed in some Italian city in the middle of nowhere, and that's what it's all about. It's all to sell you that. But people are saying the adverts are sexist. They want different adverts. Does it really make any difference? Does it really make any difference? Oh, she's thrown her halo on the ground now, and it's smashed to pieces. I thought they were made of light. I didn't realise that they were sort of made of things that actually... Oh, they're all throwing them on the ground. Very violent angels. And so the man there covering himself in links, because apparently... That sort of attracts angels. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, The cancer patient, tied up by BA crew after a row about seating. This is a pensioner. I'll tell you the story, because I might as well. He's been kicked off a British flight for demanding an upgrade. Uh, He claimed to be a 65-year-old cancer sufferer who moved seats because he was in pain. Well, that's kind of not their problem. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're a cancer patient or whether you're, you know, Mr Doolally from Doolally Land. Um, He moved seats because he was in pain. He didn't ask him if he could move seats. He just moved seats. Uh, His name is Kwame Bantu. He said he was humiliated. Well, of course, you would be, wouldn't you? Uh, When the BA crew ignored his pleas, restrained him, and had police escort him off the flight, along with a passenger who'd stepped in to help him. British Airways says the flight from Gatwick to Jamaica was diverted to the Portuguese island uh, in the North Atlantic called Terceira. I think. Uh, After about an hour, when, when Mr Bantu became verbally abusive towards staff and disturbed other customers. The plane returned to London on Wednesday night and passengers were put up in hotels. Mr Bantu, who said he was diabetic and a cancer sufferer, claimed he became unwell and moved from economy to business class because he needed more legroom. Well, I'm sorry, darling, you should have booked that in the first place. You can't just get on a plane and then just go, I'm going to upgrade myself. It doesn't work like that. A fellow passenger came to his uh, aid and said the way he was detained was utterly inhumane. That's what it's like now, isn't it? They were humiliated. They burst into tears. There's another case in the paper today which I can't go into because it would be uh, not appropriate, but I will do it eventually. But uh, anyway, they tied his feet, his shoulders and his arms, and they left me in my seat. I was humiliated. My human rights had been taken away from me. Oh, God, don't you spell money here. Don't you sniff money. Oh, absolutely. They refused to listen about my medical illness. Well, you know, if if it was of concern, why did you not tell people when you booked the the flight, can I have an aisle seat? Because I need to stretch my legs out. I'm a diabetic as well. I don't create fuss like this. But uh, he said, I was treated like a slave. No, they removed you from a seat you weren't entitled to. Why don't people see these things? Is it just me? Am I the only one who can see something? Uh, Sorry, my feet hurt. My feet are swollen. I'm going to move to another seat. No, you're not. No, you're not. And then he became abusive. uh, Some woman uh, says they restrained him. Um. Uh. By his shoulders. Well, they didn't know what he was going to do. I mean, you know, um, something. This woman here. She's a Yorkshire businesswoman, and um, and she said she stepped in after noticing he needed to go to the toilet, but he couldn't because of the restraints. Uh, she claimed BA staff said he should defecate himself in the chair. I don't believe they'd say that. I really don't. I know loads of BA people, and uh, a BA spokesman said last night our cabin crew and one of our pilots repeatedly. Because the pilot has to come out. We had it on our plane, but it was a simple thing. When they were showing the film and they said, can you bring your blind down? And she went, no. There's always some idiot on a plane somewhere, isn't there? And you think, no, just pull the blind down. In the end, the pilot came out and said, would like to move to another seat, please, at the back of the plane? You know, and, you know, that could have turned, you know, you don't know what these people are like. I don't want to risk anything in an aircraft. Thank you very much indeed. But he sat in business class without permission, repeatedly refused verbally abused crew members and disturbed other customers. So, you know, you've got to be removed from the plane. United Airlines have reached a settlement with the with the doctor. Uh, it's an undisclosed settlement. Uh, the deal includes a confidentiality clause. and otherwise, you won't... Oh, what a shame. I want to know. How much do you reckon? He was after two mil. Do you think they said, listen, we'll give you a million dollars? God, I wish they'd dragged me off some flights. I tell you, gonna... Get your hands off me. I'm Steve Allen. God, dear, I could get loads of... of... course, over here, you wouldn't get anything. Only in America do they have... It's, it's got to be worth a broken tooth. Or in my case, just the whole bridge could come out. I couldn't, you know... Oh, well, okay. I That's got to be worth money. How much do I get for that? Well, do you break an arm as well at the same time? Do we get more for that? Because he asked for two million, so if they've done a deal beforehand, that deal is going to go for... See, the trouble is, in America, it can go either way, can't it? You can go... Oh, I've got to do the news, haven't I? I've just realised. Uh, Prue Leith blasting modern parents who overindulge children. Sorry, uh, we're not going to bed. Why? Because we want crispy chicken. I bought some of that crispy chicken the other day. It was on offer in Iceland. 74 pence for two pieces. They're a bit minuscule, it has to be said. Uh, seized with a rucksack full of knives, the new Westminster terror threat. Rackle Welsh claims she's never had cosmetic surgery. You must think we fell out of a tree, darling. It's, her skin is flawless. It's not possible not possible. The travellers who left 40 tonnes of rubbish when they left a site. Once the police have filtered through it, and they find out, if they can find out people's home addresses, you're going to be getting a knock on the door, you're going to be paying for it. Uh, Fergie and her girls go off to a freebie night out. I don't know why, perhaps she's not busy at the moment. And uh, fashionable Freddie, hit for six by a white van man. You're
0: listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Bank holiday weekend. What, again? Yes, again. There is another bank holiday weekend. You get Monday off. Uh, not everybody. People be working. I'm here. I think uh, with uh, with breakfast on Monday, it's Andrew Pierce, And there'll be a few other little uh, little tweaks, as they say, to the schedule. But either way, we're here all the way through. Never leave you. Never leave you. And if you go to the LBC website, then you can download the free LBC app, which means that you can listen to LBC wherever you are in the world. Philip Dodd's done very well. F- Philip Dodd. Uh, is uh, a man who helped Nick Mason do the book. He sort of he's and he came in yesterday with Nick Mason, who's uh, guesting, and he's very good, you know, because he's just tweeted uh, confirming Nick Mason in conversation. Steve Allen show at LBC airs this Saturday six till seven a.m. in the morning, and Sunday nine to ten p.m. Clips coming up during this morning's show. Well done, Phil. Thank you very much indeed. That's quite nice. Uh, and you're quite right. There are clips coming up on this morning show in about uh, 20 minutes time. We'll just do a little couple of clips of the two guests who are with us for in conversation this week. It's a, it's a super book and it's just been updated. It's been updated. We were waiting for our updates yesterday, but sadly it, w- it was not to be, was it, Phil? It never it never kind of made it. It never made it. But we, So we, we have the original books as well, which are lovely. And you've also got... Uh, that new exhibition at the V&A, which is coming up also very, very shortly. And, uh, and the producer what? The producer's mum? Yes, he did. There you go. So that was lovely. Who else have we got uh, on the... I'm just having a quick check, actually. I still keep rereading this cancer patient. I don't think it makes any difference. I don't think you have to tell... I mean, he didn't come on with medication, this bloke who's going to Jamaica. And so he says, I'm a cancer patient. But, I mean, uh, and he's a diabetic. Well, there's loads of people who are diabetic. I'm diabetic. I don't get on the plane and go, by the way, diabetic, my legs might swell. You know, and so he just gets up and goes and plonks himself somewhere else. And they go, I'm sorry, this is business. They're quite strict up there because they're in charge Okay, and the pilot came out, so that's that. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't believe anybody ever said you should defecate in your chair. I just don't think the British Airways staff are trained like that. If they're dealing with somebody they're not sure about, then they have to get them removed from the plane because they think there could be a danger, not just to themselves, but a danger to uh, other people on there. And uh, the cabin crew, as BA have said... And uh, one of our pilots repeatedly asked him to return to his booked seat in economy after he sat in business class without permission. You can't just move seats. I don't care who you are, whether your legs have swelled or whatever else. If you have a problem like that, then you ask to sit in an aisle seat. You say, listen, I mean, I've never heard of people's legs swelling. Have you heard of that kind of thing on a plane? You must have been on planes before. But anyway, neither here nor there. Couldn't care less. It's a case of, you know, you can't just go and sit somewhere where you feel like sitting. You know, first class might have been three quarters empty. Doesn't mean you can go and sit in it. You know, I have a lot of sympathy for BA crew. You know, as I do for people in shops, they have to put up with an awful lot from the public. That's us, I'm afraid. We are We are the public. They are the management. And they're responsible for it. So uh, Kwame Bantu, 65, you know, uh, all you have to do is take, take your medication. If you're a diabetic, I always take my medication through quite easily. They know what it is now. They're so familiar with diabetic, you know, insulin and needles and everything else, you just take it through. And uh, so that's fine. But uh, he was tied up. They probably feared for their lives. Oh, I should imagine. You know, they're quite delicate souls, some of them. You don't want sort of somebody kicking off. So they have, um, they have things they could tie you up with to to restrain you. I know it doesn't sound very pleasant. I'm still dying to find out, that bloke in America, who was sort of dragged off the plane, how much money he got from an out-of-court settlement. It obviously saves time and trouble. You don't want to sort of waste time in a court case. They might have settled full. They might have gone, you want two million? We give you two million. Just, just to get it over and done with, but because of the confidentiality clause, you can't, you can't sort of say what it is. Well, actually, I think we can, because I don't think it affects us in the slightest. This is an American court case. I don't think we're we're governed by things like that. He isn't. No, he he wouldn't be allowed to say it at all. Perhaps he could whisper it to us. Perhaps we could phone him and go. So, how much was it? Just, to, just to, if he goes, uh, well, you know what I asked for. And we go, yeah, we go about, round about that. You think two million pounds? Two, I mean, well, $2 million, but either way, it's, we've gone compensation mad. I remember years ago doing stories on LBC, and uh, in those days people were suing left, right and centre. In, in America people sue left, right and centre, and over here people sue. And, uh, and they, they were sort of saying, but um, it, it'll never be the same as in America. It's exactly the same as in America. Exactly the same. You've now got lawyers who will happily take on these sort of cases. I mean, how many times do you turn on the television and say, Mr X has fallen off a ladder? Because he was given the wrong ladder for a job or people have tripped over a council pavement. There was one bloke he tripped over council pavements about 30 times. He made a history of looking round for pavement bits that he could fall over and then then sue. There was another bloke as well who would write in to companies and put down uh, a foreign name. To see whether he got an interview, and would then do them for racism, because he then wrote to them with an English name to see whether they gave him the job interview, and so that that was a, that was one that sort of popped up every so often. Fergie and her girls out at the uh, the party the other day. Yes, the really hardworking Sarah Ferguson and really hardworking Bone Idle girls. Nobody likes them, do they? Is this because they don't do any work and they sort of they just sort of they're just not they don't strike us as being very royal. Sarah Ferguson never struck us as being very royal anyway. I didn't think Major Ron was particularly uh, an interesting character. Well, not till he visited, visited Massar's parlours. But uh, but they sort of go out and there were all sorts of people, yeah, sort of models and things like that, just to launch a hotel. That's all it was, a hotel in an area where they could do with some housing. But the hotel rooms are quite expensive. But then I appreciate that. I understand how it works. You're appealing to a different market. If you go to Shoreditch, it's got nothing to do with working-class people anymore. Shoreditch was a working-class area. It's full of bars and restaurants. And, uh, and clubs and everything else like that. It's for people who want to party, party. That's how it goes on. Doesn't, um, doesn't kind of work in my world, I'm afraid. Uh, we'll go through the front pages of the papers a little bit later on, just after the news at Half past. Before then, we've got two clips from the guests this week for In Conversation. Uh, TV's Paul could be your MP. Paul O'Grady is eyeing up a career in politics. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I think he, w- he would get your vote. He would definitely get your vote. The reason is because people like him. People like Paul O'Grady. You know he writes his own books. It's not like sort of Jordan who can't write for toffee. Or spell, I should imagine. And um, Steve, for crepe or crepey skin, please pronounce crepe, not creepy, says Sandra. No, I'll, I'll do it my way, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm very uh, very impersonal like that. If I think it's creepy. It's creepy. OK. Uh, and Dennis in Bainbridge says, Mary Berry looks super at 82, but she is lined. Mary Berry does have lines on her face. Rackle Welsh has nothing, not a tram line, not a wrinkle, not a crease, nothing at all, which is, uh, which is so bizarre. You know, I appreciate that they are all these uh, celebrities that uh, they go. "So have you had any cosmetic surgery?" And, um, and they go, "No." And you go, "Well, you must have done. You don't get to 76 and look that perfect." <coughs> Excuse me, even with makeup. Even with makeup, even the gorgeous Joan Collins and people like that, they've still got lines on their faces. And Rackle Welsh looks as though she's had work done. It's a little bit too stretched. You know what I mean? Very... And that's why, I think. It's, there's something about it. But it's when they obviously think, and especially as Rackle Welsh has got a wig company, I've seen them selling them on the television. I think Ideal World occasionally do Rackle Welsh wigs. Apparently, uh, the one word that always gets mispronounced is the car maker Porsche. Uh top gear, old and new and fifth gear say Porsche. The correct way is Porsche. No, it's it's Porsche, isn't it? It's like Moet and Shandon. That that popular one. People go Moe. Uh pronounced Bagal is oop north and very American. Beigle is mainly north and east London, and also the correct way, says Peter. So I've never called it Beigle. I've always called it Bagel. But I appreciate the fact you can call it either or either. Sorry, I do beg your pardon there. Might as well get it all right. And, uh, and Jeff says, uh, as that age-old question of scone or scone raised its head again, he said, my, my hard and fast general rule is when it's on your plate, it's a scone. When you've eaten it, it's scone. I know that is a bit feeble, isn't it? Even by this programme standards, it's a bit little bit feeble. So would you vote for TV's Paul O'Grady? Of course you would. Because he's a genuine person. If he was an MP, I don't think he'd be able to lie to you. Whereas all the ones I see on the television, they just look like they're compulsive liars. I don't believe a word they say. Not a word. Oh, yes, I'll be doing this. No, you won't. No, you won't. Crystal Palace chairman Steve Parrish has quit Dragon's Den even before it started. Why? Should I be suspect about something? Is there some... Yes, hopefully, hopefully he's, he's focusing on the club. think Somebody's told him off. Because this must... I mean, they don't just announce these things lightly. This would have been a long discussion drawn out. On reflection he said, I've come to the conclusion I couldn't give Dragon's Den the commitment the show needs. Or the football club, dear. Perhaps she had a little bit more commitment to the football club. He said, therefore I'm giving up. Filling the vacancy will be Tej Lalvani, the boss of Vitabiotic. Why can't I just keep the original people on there? I mean, do we care about Dragon's Den? I do like Deborah Meaden, though. She was so su- When she came in here, I thought, is she going to be really difficult? And she was so charming and so sweet. A little bit like Claire from Steps, um, who's who's very good. And uh, don't forget, just before the news, as I said a few moments ago, uh, after the news, we're taking it, Sorry, I read the wrong bit there. We'll be taking a look ahead to the two fabulous guests who will be in conversation this weekend. You're
0: listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, Steve, 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 Steve. Um, how about Freddie Flintoff? Yes, Freddie Flintoff makes all the papers today. He was doing a filming for, um, for a fashion shoot and a uh, white van man who was delivering to local restaurants, a little bit irritating. We had one the other day, driving into Leicester Square the wrong way. I nearly threw myself in front of it, you know, hoping for some compensation. But as I say, I'll have to find something else. I shall think of something before the, before the year is out. And so the, uh, the white man van ranted at Freddie Flint. I don't really care who you are. I've got a job to do. Horrible piece of work. Don't worry, matey. We know who you are. We know who you are. Uh, also, Billy's pledged to race again. This is the teen who lost both his legs in a race smash. This is Billy Monger, uh, who was left with terrible injuries. But he said he's going to race again. And Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp. Uh, goes to, um, I think, I think there was a personal appearance. I think uh, they were doing something in Disneyland in California and he actually turned up. He actually did it. It's a bit like, who else turned up everywhere? There was somebody who, was it, who is it? who keeps Bill Murray likes doing things like that. And over here, didn't we have, wasn't it, um, who's that bloke who sings would take that and writes all the songs? Gary Barlow. Doesn't he turn up to the opening of a fridge? And they go, oh, look, and it's our wedding. And they go, oh, Gary Barlow, I can't believe it. And then he sings for them. You know, it's, love, it's lovely to be here. Thank you very much indeed. I'm Gary Barlow. And I'm really, really wired for sound. And I'm going to sing you a little song that I wrote ages ago. And uh, and then we all go, oh, God, it's Gary Barlow. People get very excited, though, don't they? I might gatecrash a few funerals later on. I don't know. See how he goes there. Hi, everybody. I'm here. Don't worry. Don't worry. Make yourself laugh. 22 minutes past six. Every week, In Conversation. Every week, it's on Saturday morning between 6 and 7am, and then it's repeated Sunday night between 9 and 10. Every week, two big names. This week, two big names. My first guest on In Conversation, Hollywood actor. uh, In a varied career, he's crisscrossed between the comedic and the dramatic, you'll have seen him in films such as Breaking Away, The Parent Trap, and Far From Heaven. It's
0: Dennis Quaid, and he told me he's in a very good place right now. I have more fire in my belly now than I did in my 20s for it. Yeah. I, it I appreciate it. The parts are there. I, at this point, I'm not trying to prove anything with my career. I work and do the things that I'm really attracted to, yeah. rather than you know, trying to build a career. And uh, I'm just really having a lot of fun. Richard Gere was in the paper the other day, and he said he said
1: he doesn't get offered parts in movies. He says he thinks it's because of his political stance with uh, with sort of China and things like that, and so he's, he's worried about being too political because people go, "I don't think we can put you in a film anymore." He said so he doesn't get offered all the parts, hmm. and you think that's a shame. Actually, that's a shame that people don't offer people. Don't you dare like that.
0: Oh, it's a bit. Were you an ex-smoker? Yes, I was. Were you how mm. for how long? Um. I would say just about all all the your month, life, really, yeah. <laughs> really. From an yeah. age of what? Uh, Sixteen. Oh, I bet you. I started so at fourteen. I try to keep it up with these electronics now. So how long have you no been? No tar, nicotine. Yeah. In.
1: How long you been on them? Uh, five years now. Wow. Yeah. You've done well. With a few slips. You've had a few little. Because <laughs> the trouble is, people don't realise smoking is so addictive. You've only got to have a normal cigarette, you can be back on them immediately. Yes, it's true. It's and I I didn't know. Whereas, do you drink? Alcohol? Yes. Much? Um, it's like therapy, not for this. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I say that. They say, how much? My boss is always saying, he said, how much do you drink? I said, well, I spill quite a bit. You know, I don't drink that much. And I, th- I said, for me, I think it's all right. Yeah. Because I think you, you know your own limits, don't mm. you? You, you, know your, you know what you can function with. You know your with.
0: body and you know what, what, what you have to do tomorrow. Yeah. I think anything that gets in the way of your life, then it's a problem.
1: Yeah. Is this a good period in your life now? This is a great period in my life right yeah. now, actually. The funny thing was, what you didn't hear there was halfway through the interview with Dennis Quaid, he produces this cigarette from his pocket. And it looked so realistic, I thought it was going to light it up in the studio. And so I did say, you're not going to light it, are you? And I, And it turned out to be one of these... Vaporising cigarettes. But it looked so real. When he took it out, I thought, God, he's actually going to light a cigarette in the studio. And it's been a lot... The last person who who tried to do that was Doc Cotton, June Brown. And again, she had one of these early vape cigarettes, which she started puffing on. And we were in a little tiny booth just through the the other side. And I got quite panic-stricken, thinking I've never had anybody smoke before. I'm led to believe that Whoopi Goldberg smoked... Whether she still does, I don't know. And she walked into a building, which is where we used to do Five's Company, and she went up to see the boss. And uh, and somebody said, nobody said a word. She smoked in the lift. She had a cigarette going. Nobody, nobody wanted to say anything to Whoopi Goldberg. But uh, Dennis Quaid, who's with me this weekend for In Conversation. Now, as well as Dennis, I'll be talking to a member of one of the world's most successful... Rock bands. Their 1973 album, Dark Side of the Moon, God, was it really 1973, is one of the best-selling in history. It spent an astonishing 15 years in the album charts, an estimated one in seven people owning a copy. The group is Pink Floyd. My second guest is their drummer and archivist and the man who just keeps it all going, Nick Mason. He told me about the band's early days in the swinging 60s. People quite often uh, ask us
2: about the Summer of Love and... Uh, what London was like in those days and so on. And the answer is we've no idea because we were somewhere up near Doncaster in a white transit van unloading into the top-ranked ballroom.
1: It's funny, isn't it? When Because I remember all these places. I remember going to Hastings and playing in a club down there and it still had old posters of the Beatles and yeah. things that I knew you think, did they really play this? And of course they did because these were the clubs. Yeah, You know, and I think there's a plaque up in Soho for the, uh, for the coffee bar that everybody played in. And, and the you, two eyes. The two yeah. eyes. They were small little venues where you could either get a drink or a cup of coffee, mainly coffee, I think, yeah. know, most of them, and you'd have a group that played. And, and when they, they headlined you, and I think it might have been in Tottenham Court Road. UFO. UFO. Yeah, and, and then it was packed out. All of a sudden, you're packing out with your fans. That must have been... Pleasing? Do you remember those days, or is it just...? No, I remember them fairly clearly, really,
2: because it was... Uh, particularly when we're talking about it, because it was so curious, really, because we had this fantastic following in London when we played the UFO Club, uh, which was underneath the cinema on Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. The rest of the week, it was the Blarney Club. <laughs> the <laughs> um, little Irish Club. Yeah. And then we'd head north, um, to play to an audience who were absolutely bemused by
1: what we did. Yeah. They certainly weren't real fans. What did you get paid for those days? Was it literally 20 quid or something for uh, the gig? It or? was probably more than that. I,
2: I, we sort of, at the beginning of 67, we went from being students to being a professional band, which meant we actually had a record contract, yeah. an advance, a manager and an agent. So we actually um, probably uh, were paid... out. I would think hundreds, because we'd been on Top of the Pops, we were a band with a record deal,
1: so mm. that made us proper. What an intra Two really interesting guests this week for you, ladies and gentlemen. Really interesting guests. So that's uh, Pink Floyd's Nick Mason, who's in conversation with me this weekend, along with Hollywood actor Dennis Quaid. So, Pink Floyd fans, I know I've been inundated with uh, messages from people saying, when's it running, when's it running, when's it running? It's running tomorrow morning. Uh, in conversation between six and seven. Uh, You can also download it. It's available as a podcast. And then it's repeated on Sunday evening between nine and ten. So Nick, along with Dennis Quaid. And uh, if you can't make it, then download the podcast. You can learn how to podcast if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. There is the updated book, uh, which Nick has got out as well. There's the weighty tome, and it is a weighty tome and uh, and it's it's really lovely but there's now updated bits and it's softback and the book's called Inside Out if you, if you're a fan of uh, of the pink then you should have a copy it came out i think, thinking about 2004 and uh, now there's an updated bit with the other bits OK, the other bits. So, I mean, but it's a super book. It really is. It's, it's really, really wonderful. And the film with Dennis Quaid in, as I said before, if you're a dog lover, you're going to love this film. You're going to warm to it in such a big way because it's a talking dog, but only the thoughts of the talking dog. The dog doesn't, you know, it doesn't actually have a conversation. It'll be something like, oh, come here, old boy. And the dog goes, does he really remember me? Does he remember me? I don't know. Does he remember me? It's a dog who dies and comes back. As other dogs, and it's, it's really cute, cute film. So, uh, gets a, gets a recommendation. I can't wait, I've got booked in now 42nd Street, and uh, I keep watching clips of it. I'm getting so excited, I might even put on a pair of tap shoes myself.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to seven. Nick Ferrari's with you after the news at seven o'clock this morning at breakfast after a hard fought campaign. In the courts and the media, Sergeant Alexander Blackman, also known as Marine A, has been released from prison. Nick will be joined by the lawyer who's worked tirelessly to get his murder conviction overturned. Plus, as Labour slammed the Conservatives for a serious decline in safety inside our prisons, Nick will be speaking to the head of the Prison Officers Association to find out what the reality is and why. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari just after the news at seven this morning. Here on LBC as we take you into the bank holiday weekend. It's another... It's another short week next week, and an extended weekend for those of you who just like to put their feet up, like Angela and Bob, sitting in bed with a cup of tea and a digestive. Do you still buy your socks to wear once? Yes, <laughs> yes, and loads of love to you for Wednesday. Yeah, it's, it's Wednesday. It's a week Wednesday. <coughs> this is the uh, the hospital date with you've got to. T- they always tell you've got to take your top off. You know, to have this thing, and only doing an injection in your arm. I don't know why. And the reason is because they've got to connect you up to the machine so they can... It sounds horrendous. The more, the more I read about it, the more horrendous this procedure sounds. So I'm hoping to be with you on Thursday. <laughs> if not, it would have been nice. Uh, have you ever watched, says Gary, uh, Sam Fahir's The Mummy Diaries. Absolutely not. Not in a million years. An old woman with two children thinks she's going to launch a career in America with bloke who's not even her husband. And I'm not remotely interested. he says, don't waste your time. All they refer to each other is babe. They pout and then they take selfies. I know. That's apparently what the true meaning of being a celebrity is. Believe it or not, Gary. It's it's actually gone a bit down the swanny. You know, you don't have to be at all talented. You just have to have babby. And uh, like Cheryl had babby. Uh, Although she wasn't sure that she was having babby. I think she just sort of managed to get herself pregnant and just thought she had wind or something. Because every time people ask, she kind of looked at them blankly. So I'm assuming she didn't even understand the question. Uh, the Queen's put her foot down. Quite a few times, actually, I should imagine. We don't we don't ever see this. And she's not putting the crown on for the state opening of Parliament. It's too heavy. And also the uh, the ermine and the, the, all the other stuff, it's too heavy for her. You know, she's over 90, for goodness sakes. So I think they're perhaps sort of trying to create a sort of a slightly uh, less heavy item. I think Argos, Elizabeth, Duke must better cook something up, mustn't they, or some, or perhaps one of the jewellery channels on the telly. They generally come up with a of old rubbish. You could probably get something made there for twenty quid or something. I don't have a spare crown at home now. I've got a Dolly Parton hat, and uh, and I've got also the which I'm looking to offload the uh, Steps last show, which turned out not to be uh, because they booked in some more uh, some more miming gigs. Which is quite funny. So, this is about the time that Claire, known as Claire from Steps, on her, on her Twitter page it actually says Claire so and so, mother, blah blah blah, and then it goes also known as Claire from Steps. Amazing. I thought she was H. Horrendously unhappy, I suspect, but because she listened to the programme yesterday and just thought it was all moaning. No, 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 we were moaning about you being a miming band. That's what we were moaning about. I don't have to keep explaining it to you because you must have had this a million times, but nobody ever asked you. So. Yeah, and so I mean, but you know, I'm I'm grateful you listened to the program for 45 minutes. That's probably about your attention span. Is that how long the concerts are now? 45 minutes. Is that including the interval, or do you do a little bit longer? It must be difficult trying to remember which dance. I mean, have you ever got to that stage where you know you're doing the wrong dance to the wrong song? And if you miss the bit about you and the and the rest of the group, you must listen to the best of Steve Allen tomorrow morning on LBC from five, and you can hear more. You see. I'm a caring person. I like to give, 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 ladies. Well, I I do over a bank holiday weekend because there's bound to be some rubbish, isn't there? I think on a bank holiday, we don't watch television. I think seriously on a bank holiday, we get out there and we do things. You know, like go to a wildlife park, go to a park, go for a walk, do something. You see that programme years ago. It's like, you know... Don't sit at home, you know, doing this. Get out there and do something different instead. And it was a load of kids telling you things to do, and they they were all in there and they did sort of they they were sort of a bit more adventurous than kids are nowadays. Kids nowadays, I mean, they don't know really whether or not to smoke dope or to go out and get drunk. Because you know, they're just bored. We were never bored. As kids, we were never ever bored. There was always something to do, was something to look forward to. Go and play in the garden. Nowadays shade a kid play in the garden. They don't have gardens. You know, it's quite a rarity. For people to have got; they don't know what to do. They can't amuse themselves. They cannot amuse themselves. So that's why we're here. I'm here to sort of ease you into the weekend. To sort of try and encourage you, because there'll be loads of fun fairs around at this weekend. There's a big one down at... Um, I don't know if Hampton Court is on this weekend, but there's certainly one at Richmond, which is Traylins. who've been there. They have uh, showman's rights down there and had them there for ages, just opposite the swimming pool, just off the 316. If you do park in the car park, Richmond Council are a bit mean and tight, and they charge you for bank holidays. That's how mean and tight they really are. And uh, They don't offer any services. They just send wardens around to ticket your car. So that's quite exciting. Front pages of the papers at 21 minutes to 7. Revealed... Uh, The new Whitehall knife terror. Dramatic moment the suspect is arrested with a backpack full of knives. He looks as though he's a bit simple, but uh, luckily the police and security services were there. I think they'd had a tip-off, that's what the papers are saying, and all the uh, news-gathering organisations. They think a member of the family obviously went, he's off his trolley, and he's heading down to Whitehall with uh, with some kitchen knives. That's what it looked like to me. He'd raided the kitchen knives and uh, taken them down there. But he's been arrested, so that's good. They've also arrested somebody else, actually, who was planning to set off a nail bomb at an Elton John uh, concert and uh, also in town as well. He's, uh, he's facing life. Uh, this is Haroon Syed, 19. Again, another simpleton. Another poor, pathetic waste of space. who doesn't know where he's going in life. Well, apart from to prison. And uh, he uh, is a teenager who wanted to cause carnage. Uh, he first opted for a devastating machine gun attack, uh, and then he switched to a homemade bomb. He's really a stupid person. I don't think they come any thicker, actually. Well, they do, because there's quite a few of these people. But uh, was the terrorist suspect shot by his family? The police came from nowhere, like a swarm of bees he didn't resist. Of course he didn't. But, uh, what will we do with him? What can you do with these people? Perhaps we could sort of, sort of give some sort of injection which sort of changes their mind or something. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. I don't know what the answer is. Because we've got this other jihadi girl who went off to join ISIS and then she's decided she doesn't like that anymore, so she's coming back again. Yeah, and another stupid person, another simpleton. You know, what do we do with them? I don't know. Her father, luckily, has seen sense and said, no, you will face the full force of whatever it is you're going to have to face, which will be the law. Daily Star today, the smirk of a jerk... Wannabe jihadi in a new Westminster terror alert. He'll probably turn out to be a gambler, drug dealer or something like You never know with these people. The last one turned out to be uh, drug dealing and he owed money. He was a gambler. Doesn't seem like a, being a very good uh, member of whatever, whatever organisation he claims to be a member of. Uh, and that's it on the Daily Star. They don't have any other story apart from that one on the front page. Uh, Sergeant Blackman's joyful wife on the news that he's freed today. He's out. He came out at midnight last night. She says, I haven't slept. I feel like a child waiting for Christmas. I hope it survives. You know, I don't know. In the heart of my heart, I've seen these things before where sort of somebody comes back and, and then they go, it's great, it's great. And then it turns out, because it's been three years since he's been in prison, I mean, things might have changed between them. I don't know. But she's been there for him. His lawyer, uh, who's worked like a Trojan, will be with Nick Ferrari this morning uh, on breakfast. New Westminster Terror Alert. Seized with a rucksack full of knives. Um, five... Uh, armed policemen uh, swooped on the suspected Islamic extremist. How they know that, I've got no idea. He could be from anywhere at all. I've got no idea. You know, he's just a, a rather silly looking man who's got a rucksack full of knives. So they obviously knew what they were looking for, which is always a, a blessing for most of us, I should imagine. And thank God for that. Downing Street terror plot, the Daily Telegraph run. Bag full of knives, 300 yards from the gates of number 10. But he wouldn't have got through the gates at number 10. You know, you can't get through the gates there. Uh, he was under police surveillance. Ah, right. The family raised concerns, because quite clearly he started spouting gibberish, as they generally do. Uh, security sources said they believe an attack by the lone wolf was imminent, so they were looking out for him, which is uh, which is great news, great news. Uh, the dress-down state opening of Parliament. The Queen will dress down. This is what I said to you before. I think because she's finding the crown a bit... It weighs quite a bit, this this crown, and, you know, it's, you know you've got to wear that on your head for quite a long time, and then you've got this huge cloak... There's a lot of it. But anyway, uh, she will dress down in more than 40 years, um, and so she will not wear the imperial state crown or robes. Uh, Also, uh, the annual service of the Order of the Garter will be cancelled for the first time since 1984. The changes mean the state opening of Parliament will take place on June 19, instead of the Order of the Garter service that had been scheduled for the same day. Uh, Boris Johnson's allies, he was very feisty. Have you heard all the trails of him with Nick Ferrari yesterday? No, I... And it's, he starts shouting. I quite like it. We had police officers in here and everything yesterday because he's Home Secretary. He comes with... He, sorry, Foreign Secretary. He, I do beg your pardon, Boris. I've moved you into a place you're never going to be. He, um, he, he, he comes with security now. With police. That exciting. Oh, I thought it was quite exciting. Uh, but his allies believe he could be the victim of a cabinet reshuffle. I think it's highly clear. I seriously do. I mean, I, d- I don't know why. I don't want to be the uh, prophet of doom, but I just think here... Uh, a friend of Mr Johnson says, clouds are gathering. I think they are. I think they are. I think he, he, he could be... A ca- I think that they're probably worried about what he's going to say. You know, he's a little bit of a, of a loose cannon... Isn't he just a, li- just a little bit of a loose cannon. He's not sort of, you know, huge loose cannon, but he's definitely a loose cannon. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Davina McCall, My Fears Over Alzheimer's. She thought she was getting Alzheimer's. She kept phoning her doctor in tears because she thought she was heading down, down that particular route. But I suppose that's... I never think about that. Isn't it funny? Out of all the things I think I could have, out of all the illnesses you could have, the wh- last thing I'd be thinking of is dementia. I know as we get a bit older, and you'll probably agree, that you sometimes can't remember somebody's name. Sometimes I'll have a complete blank... Yesterday, I had a complete blank on somebody's name. I kept saying to Mark, the producer, what's so-and-so's name again? And the the, the producer on this programme knows that if I sort of stand there and sort of open my eyes, I've got a complete blank. I cannot remember. Producer, sorry. Producer, yeah. What did I say? (laughs) Producer. Okay, I don't know who he is. He just sits there every... I don't know what he comes in to do. I thought he was making sandwiches for the canteen upstairs. It could have been. Well, sorry, it's not a canteen, is it? It's a cafe. Is it? I don't know what they call it now, actually. I don't go up there. And uh, not allowed that high. You have, to, you have to be here for some years before you achieve the upper echelons. But it's, you do sometimes get word blindness. Somebody will say something to me about it and I'll be thinking, what is that person's name? And I, it really, it, it doesn't worry me, because it's just getting worse. Uh, but sometimes I do sit there, but we do have a trick now. I'll go, and coming up this week on In Conversation, looking at him, and he will then go The Queen. And I will then repeat it as I repeated a moment ago, after the news, the new, before the news, and, uh, and then we got completely befuddled by that. Because occasionally you do it. I mean, some people. It's, it, I think it's. I think it's quite sweet when you first start doing it. After about you know the uh, the fourth time in a program, you start thinking, oh. God, I'm definitely doing the wrong thing here. You know, I I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go to hospital on the 11th, or whatever it is, and they're going to put this injection in, and I'm going to absolutely hate it. In fact, I'm getting stressed thinking about it, so I'm trying not to think of it. Let's not think about it.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Glenn says, uh, you say you love the smell of old books. What about the smell of old classic cars? Yes. I love the smell of leather. It makes me slightly peculiar, I realise. But no, in in my car, every time I get in it, I love the smell of leather. So old cars as well, you're quite right. I don't tinker about with them, though, Glenn. I know you do Cortinas and things like that. It's not... uh, That's not me at all. I seriously... I mean, I'd have to live in a tub of Swarfiga if ever I did anything to do with cars. I can't do anything... I did years ago when I was younger... As I said uh, a few days ago, I can actually change a radiator on a mini. I can I can do spark plugs and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's about as far as anything else. I've got no idea. Not a clue. Daily Mirror this morning. Smirk of the Parliament copycat. Uh, knife suspect. And here he is, I presume, by tomorrow morning. Uh, they'll know exactly what his name is. They know his age, so and he was being watched, so they, they might release his name later on. Also, uh, the 500 school heads, Tory cuts are damaging our kids. A letter to the PM in the mirror warns education will collapse without proper funding. They will say that, don't they? Very very drama queenish. It will collapse, like kids' company. Oh, it'll collapse, all these children were helping. Turns out it wasn't true at all. At uh, the Times this morning, how to sell your home in an election. Because I don't know why it should be any different, apparently. Uh, the judge tells the government it must publish air pollution... Plan. People were saying that the other day, actually, about air pollution. Now people are saying, you know, don't don't buy a diesel car. Oh, dreadful! You mustn't buy diesel cars. And it was only a few years ago they were saying buy diesel cars. Uh, the hit internet giants over danger to child safety. Uh, the NSPCC demands action against social media firms. Uh, Peter Wanless, who's chief executive of Britain's leading child protection charity, is calling on the next government to regulate internet publishers. Uh, And what they want is film-style age ratings for websites, because children can access everything, absolutely everything now on the internet. There's nothing that kids can... It's only if if parents uh, check that you can check in the history and find out what they've accessed, because it's very easy to access stuff which maybe you wouldn't want them to watch. And so there is a huge problem with the Internet, the amount of pornography and uh, sex on there and graphic, all sorts of dreadful uh, things which you would not want your children to watch. But I don't think most parents know. They just leave the kids up in their bedroom. They're on their iPads. They're on their mini iPads. They're on their computers and they watch stuff. But you've got their history there. You should check it every so often. You really... That, that was, that's the hard and fast rule. Uh, Steve, if a passenger is restrained on our flights, our only duty of care is to make sure the handcuffs are not too tight by checking them at regular intervals. Paper cups with water so they can't hurt you with china or glass. Feet tied to the seat so they can't kick you. No toilet breaks. Once restrained, they stay until the police meet the aircraft, says Vib. Who who's, who's, uh, who's cabin crew for BA. I thought that. I mean, I would think your first priority, if you're up in the air and there's a passenger who is refusing to move seats, they've moved out of their seat because they're diabetic and they've got swollen legs or whatever else, and you ask them to move and they refuse, you've got a dangerous situation. They have to be restrained in their seat. The other interfering passenger was totally out of order totally out of order, by sort of criticising BA, saying, oh, they've said you're not going to move, you're not going to do this. They're not going to let you go into the toilet. God knows what you could do in there. They don't know what you've got on you. You know, people have to think, if I'm flying up in the air and somebody's like that, I want to make sure I'm safe. And I want to make sure that the stewards and the stewardesses are safe as well. So, so now we know. Thank you, Viv, very much indeed. Two weeks ago, Steve, I, uh, I flew with Jet 2 and from Portugal, Brand new plane, good food, and twenty percent all duty free. So, two bottles of Hugo Boss. I couldn't recommend it enough, says David. You're not you're not selling me Hugo Boss, are you? You're listening to a man who uses Creed. Goodness sake, honestly, no point in taking me back down market again. Uh, front page of the i this morning: police swoop on Westminster terror suspect, man carrying knives. Uh, also, Boris kicks off. Rachel Johnson has joined the uh, the Lib Dems. It's Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Uh, also, uh, Friday, Danny Baker, DJ to punk comedian. Oh, he's not going to do stand up, is he? Come on, I always think that's very unwise. Did he do. To- Actually, what am I talking about? I know because the parents of my godchildren went to see him they said he was brilliant. They said he was brilliant. He says what? Does he go for hours? Oh, I can't go to a show like that, no. 20 minutes, including an interval, I think is quite long enough for comedy. Quite long enough. Uh, Financial Times this morning. Family ties. Palestinians protest over hunger-striking West Bank prisoners. Uh, EU signal over United Ireland. Stokes fears for post-Brexit UK. Lloyds doubles profits despite PPI hit. uh, 1.3 billion pre-tax earnings. And they've set aside £450 million for payment, protection, insurance, mis-selling. I don't think I've ever had mis-selling. I feel a bit disappointed, really. I don't think I've ever had mis-selling. I don't think so. On the other hand, I'm not too sure about it. I might have done. I don't know. I'll try not to think about things like that. The Guardian this morning. Uh, they've got uh, the villagers who woke up on Korea's new front lines. This is uh, Seongju, a sleepy farming village in the South Korean foothills. And now, uh, this is where the American military might has raged, or will rage, against South, uh, against North Korea. So they're in South Korea, aiming for North Korea. They're thrilled. I bet they're thrilled. Good Lord. Man arrested, carrying knives, metres from the site of the bridge, attack. targeted raid carried out after they got a tip-off. That's the front page of The Guardian. As I say, by tomorrow, there'll be a name, and we'll know who this person is, and we'll know what their history is. They probably don't work. Uh, you can always pinpoint exactly what they do because they seem to follow uh, a little bit of a pattern. The Daily Telegraph, uh, this man, 300 yards from the gate at number 10, he's been under police surveillance, and the reason he's been under police surveillance is because somebody from the family tipped them off about him. And then obviously when, you know, half the knife drawer goes missing, you kind of worry about where he's toddled off to. So luckily they found him very quickly. So that's knife one, lads. Front page of the uh, the Sun. We're almost trivialising it, aren't we? By a sort of knife one. It's um, I don't think it's funny at all. If if they hadn't known about this man and been off the radar, and I suspect there are quite a number of people off the radar, then uh, this this could have been a very different outcome. But luckily they were there and they've sorted it all out. And um, and then I don't know what happens now. I don't know what happens. The Sun also Shirley Shockfay for Strictly Judge. It's somebody I've never heard of. She's apparently been working in America for Strictly, and they're still tossing backwards and forwards who's going to be. Um, the uh, the person who takes over from Len Goodman, and uh, and I to be honest with you, I I don't know. Why do they have to replace him? Why can't they just leave it? Do they have to have somebody who's in show? We don't want Tony Beek. Um, and but I'm am putting my money on Brendan Cole. I think he'd be great. T- Tony Beek's a bit creepy and a bit oil slick. We don't want him at all. Thank you very much indeed. And um, uh, another one here that says I taught my dog Simon says to play the trumpet. Whilst we were on the London Underground yesterday, we went from barking to tooting in an hour. And that's about as bad as it's going to get on this programme this morning, I'm afraid. Because (laughs) it just is. I don't think you can really sort of do that, can we? It's Friday, but at least you've got the knowledge to know that you've got a nice bank holiday weekend ahead of you. You can put your feet up. It's still a bit cold for putting plants out. I've told you before, you know, you, you will lose a few plants. I think I've probably lost a few plants. But that doesn't matter. I shall sort of, I shall struggle through with it and hope that things uh, things work. I didn't get round to telling you the story of uh, kids who are buying more books now. The adults have tailed off a little bit, but kids are buying books, which is great. Uh, Fergie and her girls, imagine the whole three of them turn up for a freebie. Freebie Fergie, they call her, and the two useless daughters. They don't, we don't know quite what they do, but they turn up for something and just have a picture taken. They're kind of the cheaper end of the royal family, so we don't really bother with them at all. Uh, Songs of Praise presenter, I didn't get round to this one, uh, Diana Louise Jordan, Uh, She was a Blue Peter presenter, and then she had a claim of harassment or harassment against her. Another, you know, sort of two versions of the same word. And um, and so for three years, she's been fighting this. Finally, finally, they've admitted that uh, she's in the clear. But it's taken three years out of her life. Three years. So, uh, anyway, all is well, hopefully, and hopefully she can get back to where she uh, was before. Uh, Also, B&Q, warning of a new light peril. You'll see that in all the papers this morning. Um, there's also the roles that Harry's girlfriend, this is uh, Meghan Markle, she's had some right old turkeys, right old turkeys, I mean, you know, they, it's going to be another coup stark all over again if ever we get this. Theo Usherwood is totally convinced that Harry's going to marry Meghan Markle, totally, whereas I've, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll go a pound, he won't. So, you know, let's wait and see who. he might be right and I might have to pay up for it. Uh, also the part-time veggie craze, which sees pret sales boom. And uh, 170 tax offices going to, going to close. I met most of you going, thank God for that. Doesn't mean to say you don't have to pay the tax. You still have to pay it. Prue Leaf, blasting modern parents who overindulge children. Can we have ice cream? Yeah. Have ice cream. Do you know what kids are getting into now? Raspberries. Raspberries. The amount of kids who've been into Paul Cooper's shop, raspberry. parents have bought them raspberries. And they love them because they can eat them. They're sort of pretty colour and and they sort of dissolve quite quickly. Much better than all those sweeties and stuff like that. That is it for today. I'm back with you tomorrow. I hope you have a fantastic bank holiday weekend if we don't, uh, if we don't chat. So tomorrow morning between five and six, really good. Quite funny, apparently, I'm told. Steve Allen, uh, best of. Hotly followed by In Conversation. And tomorrow it's Dennis Quaid and Nick Mason. I did sort of remember that. I did kind of remember that bit. And uh, and I'm back with you as well on Sunday morning with the Sunday papers and then the repeat of In Conversation. Have a great weekend. Thank you for your texts and emails. If you uh, go to the LBC website, you can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 this morning, it's James O'Brien. But up next, with breakfast, very uh, very interesting
0: breakfast show this morning, Nick Ferrari.